0: What's up, everybody? Hella Bass back with another episode, and can you believe it or not, we're at number 30, the Dirty 30 already, episodes. Uh, this week, uh, catching up with good buddy Dan Fabiano from Arsenal Fishing and Arsenal Customs. We talk about all things Minnesota Tournament Fishing, the State Championship, Classic Bass Champions Tour, and Swim Jig Tips uh, that Dan brings. Uh, we also talk about some of the new products coming out at Arsenal Fishing. Uh, And there's also a discount code if you listen in quick. Uh, We cover that at the end. Uh, RichPod20 for 20% off. If you didn't catch that, it's also in the podcast description and or the video description on YouTube. If you guys like these podcasts, uh, make sure you're subscribing. And and if you want to check out the video uh, versions as well, the live streams, those are on YouTube. Uh, The more the merrier. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and uh, enjoy the episode. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. all right live on a wednesday night uh we are streaming again so we're getting on a consistent roll again uh i don't know if you guys saw but i was on btl this morning doing a live show with them that was pretty awesome uh if you haven't seen that uh go check out btl this morning um, but, uh, tonight we have, a uh, special guests. We got uh, somebody on the stream with me. Shadow Bassin is sounding off. We're going to bring in Dan Fabiano, um, owner of Arsenal Fishing, Arsenal Customs, probably a bunch of other things I don't even know about. <laughs> uh, Minnesota tournament angler like myself. What's up, Dan?
1: What up, guys? How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show, Rich.
0: Yeah. Uh, Liam, yeah, that's Bass Talk Live. So, sorry, I was shortened to BTL. Um, what's up, Owen? Yeah, so, tonight we are going to talk about a handful of things. Uh, Dan claims to be a swim jake expert. He's told me that he's that's his, uh, that's his go-to. So, he's going to give away some juice on swim. We're going to talk about uh, the classic Bass Champions Tour a little bit. And uh, probably a few other things. Uh, and some Arsenal stuff. A whole lot of things to talk about tonight. Dan's you know, mobile situation right now. He's rigging in his boat.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. I was set up for a laptop deal, and it, literally, when Rich put me live, my laptop just kind of crashed out on me. I'm having battery issues with my laptop. So I just switched to the phone, and now I'm all cramped up trying to get everything in screen for you guys. But we'll make <laughs> it work. We'll make it work. That's all
0: right, all right. I already got a handful of people pouring in, so we're we're getting started. So um, I don't know, Dan, what's uh, what's what's? Uh, I guess maybe uh, how'd you? I mean, you haven't been fishing tournaments for a long time, but you've been going hard at it recently. Maybe just give like the, uh, the 10000 foot view of uh, your your how you got into fishing and.
1: Well, uh, tournament fishing is kind of newer to me than a lot of other people that I've been competing against. Uh, This is my seventh year tournament bass fishing, and I kind of got into it because I was a professional rollerblader for 16 years, doing all the Xtreme X Games ESPN crap, and um, when I slowly kind of sizzling away from that industry, um, I had a buddy, Justin Hill, that lives up in the Chisago Lakes area, and he was also rollerblading back in the day, and by the time I was moving back from New Jersey to Minnesota, he was telling me that he was getting out of rollerblading and getting into bass fishing, and he kind of pushed me into this realm saying that it was still competitive, it was still high adrenaline. Um, it was just something that I would, I would really get engaged with. And then I started looking at some stuff on YouTube. And at that time, about seven, eight years ago, the YouTube fishing scene wasn't that big. And a lot of the stuff was pretty, looked outdated at the time. And with my background in videography and and editing, I thought I could kind of jump right into that. Well, lo and behold, I kind of, went the different route. I should have went the YouTube route instantly seven or eight years ago, but I just got so thrown into learning about bat tournament bass fishing that that was the direction I, I more or less uh, went and put all my focus into. So I don't regret it. I really am enjoying doing everything with the tournament bass fishing scene and building two, two small businesses in this industry. But there are times where I would have wished I would have focused on the YouTube stuff like you're doing, Rich. And and got into it when it was just kind of developing and really getting left.
0: But um, so two things um, before you on too much time out before before you go too much further. I agree. I wish I wouldn't have paused on the YouTube (laughs) (laughs) because that was a big faux pas by me. Um but the other thing is let's let's not skip over this rollerblading thing. Um so what what is it cause like when I picture Professional rollerblading. I'm thinking like roller derby that I saw on Saturday morning, where they were going around in an oval. No, 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 no. no. Or was it like more like BMX type?
1: It's like It's like skateboarding stuff. and BMX, but with okay. rollerblades. So you're doing all the crazy stuff. You're grinding down rails. You're doing the half pipes. Doing the. So it's basically uh,
0: rollerblade X games type. Yes, stuff. correct. Yeah. Okay. That's so a lot exciting to think about than you like making the chains and like rollerblading and like throwing elbows and that would be better you should just go with that's a better story (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) roller derby yeah
0: yeah
1: i mean that's pretty much a female sport you you would think it would have been a male sport but it's a female sport and that's crazy that you see a bunch of girls beating each up around a track all day long but uh yeah, so that was a, it was a different type of transition for me from two different industries and two different sports and I had two skate companies all those 16 years. I started my first skate company when I was 13 years old making just apparel and t-shirts and I did that company for about 15 years and halfway through that point I made a, an accessory company making wheels, ball bearings, protection gear and I actually had more fun with that because every every person can kind of make a t-shirt company or an apparel business but it's harder to source and do molds and do a lot of prototyping and engineering and that was a little bit more interesting to me at the time and so when i got into fishing and saw that the tackle market was so big i knew how to source that stuff overseas and i knew how to design the packaging and i knew how to build websites so everything just came hand in hand and since i like to build businesses around what i love to do and i wasn't rollerblading anymore and i liquidated those companies off i liquidated those companies off used that money to build arsenal fishing so
0: well, they say the best way to make a small fortune in fishing is to start with a larger fortune. So,
1: well, unfortunately, it wasn't that big of a fortune, <laughs> but it was enough to start the business and kind of get everything kind of rocking and rolling. But it was nice because I struggled every year in the rollerblade industry just to kind of break even every year. It was still uh-huh. nice because we got to tour around the United States. Go, you know, I went to Germany. I did a lot of things with rollerblading, and it was really fun got to be like a little rock star, but I never filled my pocket. It just got me to the next event. Kind of like fishing is, you know, but mm-hmm. with fishing, when it came to the business side of things, I just started seeing that inventory and the interest in the sport was just way bigger than when the rollerblading industry was rollerblading was so niched where fishing is, I mean, you, the demographic is massive. It's a five-year-old to a 90 got 90 year old that dies in his boat, you know? So mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a large demographic that when I was just sampling the industry, the first couple of years, I was selling out of everything quarterly or or by by yearly. And I was like, well, this is something I kind of have to look into more and focus and try to build a business out of. And, you know, we're at our six year mark with Arsenal right now. I started Arsenal customs last year and both of the companies are improving and growing. And it's all thanks to all you guys supporting me and supporting the brand and and bringing it up to the next level and uh i couldn't do it without you guys so i appreciate all the help and the support
0: yeah so shadow Bassin's got interesting so have you ever looked at looking into reel bearings and and marrying your your past with your your present
1: um i have i actually was thinking about that recently because a lot of the bearings that are in the reels or in, or in the real arms they're. Very close to rollerblade ball bearings, usually eight ball bearing, and you can make, you can find smaller diameters with those bearings as well. So I haven't, I have been looking into it, but I haven't invested any time or money into it yet. But that's a great question. And I'll probably be looking into it more, knowing that more and more people are kind of tinkering not only with their lures, but they're tinkering more with their rods and their reels and kind of fine tuning things and just making it as personal as possible. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, thanks guys. The people mentioned they watched BTL this morning. Thank you. That was that was a lot of fun. So I was on the BTL live show this morning with a few oh, other guys. Okay. Which was was kind of fun. So, okay. um, so you got two companies that I guess just like you kind of touched on it. So you have arsenal fishing, right? And that's just yep. kind of fishing tackle. You got plastics, you got jigs, you got sinkers, you got some accessories, you got weigh-in bags, kind of a A little bit of everything Uh, and then arsenal customs is is it mostly jerseys or is it apparel and jerseys or so it started out just doing custom
1: jerseys but this year i kind of opened it up a little bit more because i had a lot of i'm working with a lot of high schools and colleges and clubs and as much as they want jerseys they also want headwear neck buffs all different types of custom sports gear so I kind of opened my door a little bit and uh, dabbled with that with a couple of customers this year. And it showed a really positive response to the point where there's a lot of people kind of giving me a call for 2021 already based on some of the stuff that they've seen for other schools that I've done. So that's kind of growing and I'm really excited to do more work with it. But since I'm just one man show for both these companies, it's definitely it's taking the toll that I have so much work, such a workflow ahead of me, but um, yeah, Arsenal Customs, I, I wasn't planning on doing it. I was just doing, I, I had my old studio name format studios where I do web design, graphic design logos for guys. I'm, I'm lately, I've been doing designing boat wraps for some guys too, but it came down to the point where I almost last year, we had a really rough year with Arsenal fishing to the point where I didn't know if I was going to be keeping it going forward. And uh, so I brought up Arsenal customs the last year and a half thinking that could kind of, you know, alter alter the financial swing of things hopefully get me back on you know get some money back into my pocket so i can invest it back into arsenal fishing uh just there's a couple of bad decisions with factories and there's a couple things that happen with factories that you know with quality control issues that i just couldn't move forward with those those, those factories and i want to get the best products to my customers and my supporters so um i kind of I kind of slow rolled arsenal fishing last year and put more of my focus into arsenal customs and doing the jerseys. But with COVID happening this year, um, tackle sales just went through the roof, you know? So I had to put a lot of my focus back into arsenal fishing this year. Um, I solidified a lot of good things with my factories, made sure quality was at top notch and, and turnaround times were, were peak. And right now, things are moving the best they've ever have moved with both companies. Like I'm really excited for 2021 because I'm going to have to hire a couple part-timers. I think I'm going to be moving most of the inventory out of the house finally. I mean, I do everything out of my basement and my garage right now. But um, Omnia Fishing, um, Matt Johnson over there and the guys, Chris and Matt, have been helping figure out an idea of fulfilling the company through Omnia uh, for the upcoming year. Hopefully, warehouse all the product out out of Omnia Fishing. All of my orders will go out of Omnia as well, and that will just save a ton of time for me, so I can focus on getting into more retailers and doing R and D for new products and sampling and prototyping and getting to travel a little bit more with the pro team and doing things that I that I want to do more on the sports side of the the, the business. But you know, I, you know, it's always work before play with me. So right now, I'm in crazy work mode this year. And my, my fishing has been scaled down dramatically, which has really been really upsetting this year. But like I said, I, I can't I can't be able to do tournament fishing if I can't you know pay the bills. And right now, I'm doing everything I possibly can just to get to the next event and keep the keep the businesses afloat. And I'm happy that you know things are in in a, in a nice forward progression instead of a lull. So can't complain at the moment. Yeah. I just haven't been fishing as much as I
0: want. I'm, I'm never fishing as much as I want. <laughs> well, uh, like,
1: it, even like, since I'm I'm new to this, like my first couple of years, I mean, I was, I threw myself in so hard where guys were actually like making fun of me saying, Hey, why are you fishing 35, 40 events a year? And you just got into this. You're just donating your money, Dan. You're wasting it. And I was like, I don't see it as donating. I was, I'm throwing myself in, in the, in the deep end, learning to swim instantly. And I wanted to learn by trial by fire while making small goals for myself. And I never walked in thinking I was going to win every Derby or think that I was the next, you know, Seth fighter, Chris Lane, or whoever you want to, you know, whoever you looked up to. I just, I, I, I maintained being humble, those those the first portion of me coming into uh, fishing because I knew I wasn't some slugger. And uh, it, it, it got, I'm, I'm where I'm at right now so quickly because of people that allow me to come into their boat, they help mentor me. And also just complete on water time, like having my own business, I can make my own schedule. And therefore, I'm fishing. Apart from this year, I was fishing four to six days a week. Whether it was fun fishing, filming some YouTube stuff, or just doing product stuff, or going out and filming derbies, I just haven't been able to do any of that this year. And it's been so sad. The only filming I've been able to do is for Chad Grigsby's uh, new TV show, The Tour Life, that we have on YouTube. Go check it out. But other than that, like I haven't had any editing. I, I plan to do a ton with YouTube this year, and I'm just like I'm falling short. But hopefully next year, when I have some help with the business, I'll have a little bit more time to film and edit and and bring that YouTube channel back up to snuff. So
0: yeah, we talked about going out, but both of us here we are yeah. middle of September, September, and we haven't even come close to that, like going out. <laughs> I know. Answer a couple questions. Olson Outdoor: Should bass still be in docks this time of year? Because I crushed a bunch yesterday. The quick answer: Yes, and it's probably only going to get better till mid October be honest
1: you know as the temperatures go down those fish are going to start pulling up into shallow cover so they'll probably hit those docks first before they really edge up to the shoreline into the timber into the bushes all that kind of stuff but yeah you're definitely going to find some really good fish um shallow under some docks or even deeper docks right now i would target the deeper docks right now and then you know once these these colder temps steady out for the next week week and a half if they do steady out that's when i would kind of pull up and do some more
0: shallow yeah. and I think honestly it's it holds pretty true till about 48 50 degrees and then it starts going the other way so uh, as that vegeta, to me I think as the vegetation starts to drop the hard cover turns on this time of year in my mind that's the way I see it uh, there's still going to be a deep bite there's still going to be a grass bite but the hard cover really turns on the shallow hard cover so uh, yeah, it's only going to get better outdoors. MG's Garage, have, what's your biggest copy? Um, I think I caught one on Lake Fork that was like 17 and three quarters inches. A uh, back. Yeah, it was a... Mo- I mean, I <laughs> put my fist in its mouth. It was massive. So Holy buckets. <laughs> yeah. But my old man lives on Falcon now in the winter, and he catches fish like that. Like, he gets limits of those, like, all the time. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think my biggest... I think a 14-incher... And that's, that's pretty pretty damn big for me. So 17, that's huge, man. What was that, like a two yes. and a half
0: pound? Oh, well, it was probably over three. Like
1: oh, <laughs> Wow. <Yeah>. That's mountable.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, it definitely could have been. Uh, I just wasn't interested in multi- mounting a crappie. Yeah, Olsen, there's definitely fishing deep, but there's a misconception that in the fall there is a major rush of big bass to the shore. Now there are some out deep too. There's, there's kind of, it's kind of splits and you got to kind of be one way or the other. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, so today we can't catch fish on docks or lay down substitute. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, any hard cover, you know, whether it's overhanging trees, laydowns, docks, uh, even pads this time of year can get really good, uh, as a hard cover. Uh, bull rushes, things like that. A lot of those. It kind of depends on the lake and what they have. So, <clears throat> but uh, so you're rigging. What, what are we rigging for, Dan?
1: Where? What am I rigging right now? Yeah. Uh. Well, I just cut off like more of a like a weedless Ned.
0: No, I um, guess more like gonna... what are you rigging for? <laughs> oh.
1: oh
0: uh, you could you <laughs> can tell us what you're rigging, but I guess <laughs> why are you rigging, and then what are you rigging?
1: Um. Uh, so I just got back from the Champions Tour, and before that, I had a couple other. oh, We had the the state tournament on Whitefish. So I went from Whitefish. I had a couple of days, and I went up for a, a week of practice on Pukegma, and then we had the the Derby for Champions Tour, and then I came home, and I'm rigging for the Green Lake Classic this Sunday on uh, Green Lake in Spicer, Minnesota. It's a pretty big derby usually brings out 40 or 50 anglers. It's been going on for a very long time. Ever since I started fishing, I've been a part of this event. Uh, I really like it. The lake fishes well for me. I, the lake's just great. It's a numbers lake. You, it's it's fun. Like If you want to bring a family member out there or someone that has never fished, you're going to go out there and you're going to always catch fish. Even on a hard day, you're catching 20 fish. Still on a hard day, you're, you're boating 20 fish. So It's a really good numbers lake. It's hard to find the size, and that's what it makes to me. Makes it a fun tournament lake because I like the harder lakes as a challenge. I don't know. To me, I just I like it when people are like, "Hey, the bite's a little rough right now," because then I I feel like it's more everyone's game when you go out there and you got to look for the good bite. And the guys that know how to find those good bites, those are the guys that are usually going to see on top. So, but with with this lake, it's normally uh, it could be fourteen pounds to win it or, or 16 and a half. And the last couple of years, the lakes, uh, been doing better. And it looks like the last couple of years, it's 16, 17 pounds usually takes home the check. But, uh, you know, I usually go out there swinging for about 15 pounds and usually be pretty good. I won club derby out there. We had like 16 boats this, this year. And I had 16 pounds with a dead fish. So that took it for our club. And, uh, then I had the classic a week later after that. And, i brought in 11 pounds so uh it's it's still a tough lake no matter what but uh i definitely like to fish that
0: lake just suits yeah it's been it's been a while since i've been out there and it'd be good to see it rebound a little bit because i don't know six eight ten years ago it was a phenomenal like it was a little tiny malax honestly Like i was
1: just about to say that. that's what everyone used to say it was a little malax but uh then uh, it seemed that the walleye guys on that lake don't like the smallie guys on that lake. So the walleye guys have been killing off the smallmouth for years and years. And it's just starting to come back. Those bigger ones, those bigger smallies are starting to kind of grow and stick around. And they're getting a little bit more protected up there. So I'm pretty happy about it. Um, but no, it used to be, you know, you needed four good smallies and a largemouth kicker to win that derby. Now yep. it's pretty much bringing all smallmouth, and you're gonna win the derby. So, um, I've had some good showings on that lake. I feel like that's one of my more consecutive lakes where I can pull top threes or top fives. Sure. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, rigging a lot of finesse stuff. I'm gonna rig some deep stuff.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So I
1: had a weedless Ned head tied on from this uh, past uh, on Pocagama. And I'm just kind of going to like an open hook Ned just because uh, there's not a lot of structure on this lake whatsoever. There's, there's some rocks, but it's not like big boulder rocks. It's just scattered kind of gravel or, you know, chunk sized rock. You hardly ever get hung up on this lake and there's not much vegetation left since they've been spraying the lake so much over the last five years, but there are some good, you know, defined patches. And when you find the patches, you find the fish, you know, that's, there's now, like I said, there's so much sand and muck out there that when you do find some type of structure, the fish hold to it. So it's finding yeah. it's getting a good rotation on that kind of structure on Derby Day and hoping that your rotation is there before the the, the, the other guy. So you catch the big one on the spot and then keep moving on.
0: And land them. <laughs> and
1: yeah, that's the big one. You have to land them, dude. <laughs>
0: yeah so we all say oh
1: we missed i missed a big one i would have won i would have cashed a check if i didn't miss that four and a half pounder it's like yep fishing clean is the probably the biggest part of this this sport and tournament fishing is you usually hear the guys that win. i fish clean today bingo that's that's how you it's how you do
0: well in this sport yeah i got some great video i'm editing right now of me getting my paw on a nice three pound plus Molly and starting to scoop it in the boat and it flips that away <laughs> and it comes off and goes back in the lake. So you can look forward to that in my next video. <laughs> um, Owen said, if he wants to break the five pound mark, what would be the best strategy? Uh, you know, for me, uh, whether you want to fish shallow or deep uh, in Minnesota, lock a jig in your hand and fish that jig. If you go out and put your days in and fish one or two days every weekend between now and the end of October and keep a jig in your hand and go I'm to get one. pounders. You'll get one. <laughs> um, no Sycamore says your site has a lot of awesome products. I'm assuming he's talking about yours, Dan uh, cool. We'll maybe show that in a little bit In a little bit um, just a reminder guys. Uh, I see there's like over 30 some people already hanging out tonight. That's awesome. If you right. can that thumbs up, that helps uh, us out and uh, get some more eyes on the stream. I uh, really appreciate that uh tin horse go, oh go ahead go
1: subscribe to the arsenal fishing channel guys i know i don't have a lot of new content up but the content that's up is pretty cool I'll give it a shot I'll give it a check out and then also go find us on uh facebook and instagram too our our numbers are coming up and a lot of good content we're about to update i haven't been doing a lot of content doing stuff but i have new uh social media manager lined up so things will be popping off soon finally nice. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to get introduced to this person. Uh, so, Tindor's mice just caught his fish first fish on to Mickey Stinger today. Have you fished them at all? And so, what are your thoughts? A little bit. Um, I had to get some because you hear about Brian Thrift talking about them so damn much. Uh, I definitely have some in the boat. Um, I fished them a little bit on like a jigworm type setup, Got some fish on it wasn't blown away. I, they're a little, I mean, they're a little bit different than a, a, a boomstick or a dinger. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not wowed by them by any means, but I think they're a good bait and they catch fish, but I don't think there's anything particularly amazing about them over other stick baits. Maybe any thoughts, Dan, on the, the Domeki stinger?
1: No, I don't even know what the Domeki stinger is. Is it a hook or is it a soft plastic?
0: It's a stick bait. A Dameke, shorter and stubbier. Yeah.
1: I might. So I didn't even know about it. So are you using it more as a Dameke rig or as a Nico rig?
0: Uh, Let me see here. I I don't know where they are. Um, It's basically a shorter, slightly shorter, stubbier dinger or boomstick. Uh, Oh, okay. Thrift throws him on shaky heads, he throws them on med he throws them on wacky rigs. He, I mean, like if if you listen to what Brian Thrift says, he catches them on, he's always catching them on a the
1: Okay. So it's just another stick bait.
0: Yeah. Okay. A little bit different. I mean, it's it does have a little bit of its own unique shape, a little more so than most of them. But uh yeah, I don't see anything groundbreaking about it. Uh Bob, the Bash Nation Championship, uh, it's on Pickwick. And it's in the middle of November. So uh what body of water and how well do you think you will do? Well, I am gonna definitely <laughs> shoot for the top three because the top three go to the classic. So um I mean that's the mindset. I'm confident that I can catch them down there. Uh I mean, every, you know, tournaments are always a, a crab shoot, but uh, you know, there's current, there's smallies, there's largies, there's spots. I'm very familiar with fishing on the Mississippi River, so I think that'll serve me well. I've got some some Tennessee Valley experience on uh, Gunnersville and Southern Reservoirs, so I'm definitely not intimidated by any means uh, on Pickwick. <laughs> I like Shadow's Confidence. That's awesome. What's up, Alex Larson? Um, yeah, this is awesome. So we're already, we're already up to 40. Things oh, well. are hello everybody even along thanks everybody I uh, appreciate you guys are hitting a thumbs up and sharing. that's awesome um, so you got this tournament coming up you kind of mentioned you're coming off I guess maybe just talk about the TLC we both were on the bubble just outside uh, we both uh, <laughs> but either one of us got it done I still have hope that somebody will I don't know have a, a wedding or a funeral or uh, a get- <laughs> You know. and, and I can go, but uh, you need like three people to kick the bucket. So yeah,
1: I know, dude. I'm so, that one stung a lot. Like a lot of tournaments, you leave them and you, you you ride home and you're all bitter. And then the next day you kind of get over it. But literally the TOC is still stinging me Uh just because I walked in, just like when I got on the team on Pacagama, I walked in like not thinking that I had any type of shot just because I did. When I went up to Pacagama, I barely knew the lake. I only had two days of two or three days of practice up there. Whitefish. I've been on the lake three or four times last year, and then I had the three or three days of practice this year. So very limited amount of time on the on those lakes. In practice, I was on nothing. I wanted to do a lot of deep stuff, so I spent the majority of my practices deep, and I was catching short fish and 12 inches every day on deep spots. So I knew that wouldn't do it. So I played the shallow game, toc, which is. It seemed that most of the guys in our club. We're still catching them shallow, so it just made sense to to continue doing what I was doing, but it seemed that when I was practicing, a lot of people were in the, the bays and the areas or the lakes that I was fishing, but they weren't doing what I was fishing in, in practice, so it gave me confidence that I could rotate some spots and hopefully do pretty well, and that's what ended up happening. I mean, the only person that kind of – Andy Nichols and I, like, we didn't talk about anything, but we literally had the same exact gameplay we are like running the same exact program. Um, I think if Andy and I weren't running the same exact program, either of us would have probably had fifteen to seventeen pound days on on day mm-hmm. one. On day one, at least. But we were taking each other's fish, and we both had what high thirteens or close to fourteen, right. both of us. Um, so, but day two, my program and his program were identical. Again, we kind of just rotate ro- rotated and reversed them. But I just, I couldn't get those big bites because it was, a we were doing a dock a doc and pad deal and you have to think a hundred guys already piss pounded all that stuff the day, the first day. The likeliness of catching that same type of weight, doing the same stuff is very unlikely. Um, so yeah, I, it was, it was a struggle going into about one o'clock on day two. I had three fish and I was just in my, I think my, yeah, I had three fish, and I, I ran into Corey Brand. Actually, he had zero fish, and I was like, what's going on? Like, this is even a, a tougher day. Ended up just getting out of my head and just fishing how I like to fish. We caught a couple fish, cleaned up a limit, and then right at the end of the day, I I caught one, like, with 40 minutes to go right outside of moonlight, and it was, like, four. It, I flipped it in the boat. I couldn't believe how I caught the fish. I flipped it in the boat, it was a, the head of a four-pounder, the body of a four-pounder. I literally look at the guy, hug my, hug my co-angler or non-boater. I was like, dude, that's the cut right there. I, I, I fucking made the cut. And then I go and weigh it, and it's 3-3. Three, three. It's just skinny mini, but it was super big. It, was like, it looked like a four-pounder all day except for the weight. And I was like, that's Bubble Boy right there now. I'm going to go in. I'm going to be right under 12 pounds, and I'm going to be playing Bubble Boy because I knew going into day two in eighth place I needed 12 to 12.5 12 pounds to make the team. And sure enough, I was like right under twelve pounds, and I missed the team by point thirty-nine of an ounce. So, uh, not even a half an ounce, man. And like you were even lower than that. Like you were like yeah. sixteen point sixteen or nineteen or something like
0: that. Yeah, I was eleventh point one six two ounces.
1: <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh,
0: if Kent could just drive a boat, I wouldn't be in this position. So, <laughs> um, I had a, yeah. I, I spent my whole practice almost also fishing deep, but. Opposite of that, I wasn't getting many bites, but they were quality bites. So I had deep spots where I could get a couple deep bites, but I didn't feel like I could guarantee myself getting five good bites. Like I could hit a couple, you know, a bunch of spots in the morning, and I could get a couple good ones, but I didn't know if I sat there all day if I'd end up with three fish or five. Yeah, and then I would finish it off with docks each day. But yeah, um, Tino, have you tried the Hayabusa Brush Easy Heads? Yes, they're pretty good. They're they're a nice little. Like a weedless nethead, they're definitely pretty good. Um, fishing with felt. Uh, recent subscriber. Um, if you fu- if you fish, if you don't use a fish finder on bigger lakes, would you strictly beat the bank or fish deep without knowing for sure what's on bottom? Um, I guess I would. If I didn't have a fish finder, uh, I would fish shallow. Not saying you can't be offshore, uh, you could potentially find some shallower humps that top out with weeds or rocks or boulders that you can see, but I would stick to things that I could identify where I am, right? Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily just beat the bank, but I would fish mostly shallow where I could either where I'm at based on weeds topping out or a shoal that I can see or something like that. There's there's not much of an option to fish deep without some kind of electronics um yeah i mean you don't need like a fish finder but you'd at least need a flasher or something simple to be able to tell you where you are depth wise so
1: and if you don't want to like get stuck beating the bank or just doing the shallow game because you don't have a fish finder and you can kind of sight fish you can look at pads you can you can look around docks you can look around stumps you can go deep if you don't have a fish finder just tie on something heavy half ounce three four sounds whatever and just kind of fan cast out and start feeling the bottom and dragging there. Oh, is this mud, muck, is there weeds down there? Is this rock? And you can kind of yeah. gauge what you're kind of fishing and at, at what depth you can kind of count it down to. And you and you might get lucky. I mean, if you're at least looking at a map, you can look at contour lines and say, "Hey, this looks like that. It could be an. It's an inside turn. There might be an hard, some hard bottom there, or there might be some grass or a grass line or a weed line there. So yeah. that,
0: yeah, that I mean, if you're deeper, you, you need, can we, still
1: figure it out for sure.
0: You need definitely need some kind of decent map to put you point you in the right direction. I wouldn't flail around out there. Another yeah. um, the thing you can do, you know, you can find points and things like that, and a lot of times start you could,
1: shallow and come deeper
0: right like you could go and put yourself on the point cast a carolina rig out fish it uphill and feel like you have a pretty good chance of catching fish that way too so yeah
1: there's a lot of times i fish points reverse. you know not deep to shallow but shallow to deep and i get more bites like that because yeah. i don't know why but it depends on the wind direction normally for me but
0: yeah so another question brock stender has a youth tournament next week on tonka have any tips on where to fish and shallow deep docks honestly next week everything's still going to be in play i would say do what you're comfortable with uh you should be able to fish i mean there should still be fish on rocks there'll be fish on the beach, there'll be fish in the pads there'll be fish on docks um i'm going to fish tournament there next week and i'll definitely just lock a jig in my hand and cover water probably on sunday so
1: <laughs> yeah uh, if i was out there right now too it would be a jig or a tube tube crawl and uh football jig on specific areas, and then a Ned Ned and drop shot always usually do pretty well, too. But if you're looking for those big bites, like Rich is saying, throw the jig. The jig yeah, I mean, a frog
0: probably know. still – like this time of year, a frog would be good out there.
1: Oh, yeah. We'll still come and play.
0: Yeah. Uh, Landon, he said it was on Crystal Lake, and I caught three out deeper. Bite seems to be picking up. Water was in the mid-60s. The bite should be picking up everywhere right now. It should be getting stronger until, like, uh Yeah. Temps in the mid 60s, it should be triggering to really start feeding. And I'll say that bite will stay pretty strong until 50 to 52 on most of our lakes. So,
1: so we got, I know we got into some questions. You can keep doing the question thing, but we didn't get into uh, yeah, the end of TOC and champ tour.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, <laughs> Sycamore says he's you setting up a finesse. Uh, well, I'll move. He said, "Your finesse setup has been on mead, medium, medium heavy spinner rods with straight floral uh, I don't know if he's talking about you or me, but all my spinning rods are braid to floral. Uh I don't know about you, Dan.
1: Almost every I, yeah, every setup is braid to fluoro, except a couple braid ones just for like dock skipping, you know, and yeah. for rough or around rough pads and stuff where I need to really yank those fish out of uh, cover. But yeah, every, almost everything's uh, braid to floral. And most of uh, mine are."
0: Medium light to mediums with yep. red floral.
1: That's what I was just about to say too. I do have a medium heavy, two medium heavy spinning setups, but again, that's for like heavy tube tube jigs. Or if I'm really deep and I have a really like heavy, heavy net and I'm fishing like thick grass really deep and I really need to pop it out of the grass really deep and I need that extra backbone and the length of the rod. But no, yeah, typically everything's medium to medium light for all my spinning stuff.
0: Yeah, fishing with JBT affordable glide baits. God, I don't remember the name of them. Uh, if you think about it, send me a DM and I'll find them and send them to you. JBT. So either send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. Um, favorite drop shot bait? You got a favorite drop shot bait, Dan?
1: Ooh, um, you can't go wrong with a robo worm. Robo worms do, I mean, you can go anywhere with the damn robo worm and catch fish. So then there's the color choices are endless. So whatever color that you get confident with, you know, that's what I just kind of run with. And uh, if not that, I I like to use those Berkeley leeches. There's specific situations, but I don't think a lot of guys throw those. And that is a forage, you know, in a lot of lakes that people, you know, tend to forget about. You know, they keep thinking Mm -hmm. it's just a live leech, but that damn freaking Berkeley leech. He picks up smallmouth left and right, man. It's nuts. Yeah, I'd say okay, tiny and tube. Tiny tube. Yeah, I don't and think half a tube. tiny tube enough. I did pull one out to put on my drop shot today. Yeah, here a little Strike King crop uh, coffee tube. Yeah. I think this is a. This might be a two, two and three quarter or a three inch, but it just nose up that little guy, and uh, you're good to go.
0: Yeah. Luke Peterson wants to know what the secret to Farm Island Lake is. I'm guessing he's, he's talking to you.
1: Luke Peterson, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. There's no uh, tips and tricks before the state or the club championship, my friend. <laughs> we got our club champ uh, two day championship on Bay Lake and
0: Farm Island next nice. week. Those gonna be fun, lakes. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on fishing topwater baits or open water smallies? What is your confidence bait, walking baits or chugging baits? He says he had a lot of success on the Chug Bug. Uh, for me, the two that I throw are the uh, Reaction Innovations Vixen and Baby Vixen uh, in Bone. I also will throw the Evergreen Shower Blow in Bone. And then for a Chugger, I throw the Yellow Magic in Bone, the big one, the half ounce. <laughs> That's pretty much the three baits I throw.
1: And for me, I'm very confident with a Rebel Pop in both sizes, the junior size and the regular size. I typically don't do that magnum size, but the regular size and the junior size, depending on the bite and the situation, I throw the bone color a lot or the baby bass color a lot. And uh, I haven't you went know, That's bait and a buzz bait. I'm 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 confident with the buzz bait, but I haven't thrown uh, the buzz bait that much this year. I just haven't thrown the top water in general that much this year. Yeah, um, nice. I haven't been able to get out as much because I'm so busy with the company.
0: Yeah. It was worth a shot, Luke. You gave it a yeah. shot.
1: Let's um, just mess it up. You ever fetched <laughs> a
0: free rig? I have not. I've got some weights that I'm uh, on order that I would think would be really good for the free, but I haven't messed around with it. Have you played around with the free rig? i best guessing you have it based on your schedule this year. Do you know what the free rig is, Dan? No, I don't. What is the free rig? So the free rig, basically, you use a drop shot style weight with a loop on the top. Instead of a pinch, like just a, okay. and yep. then you basically just slide it like you, you slide your line through the loop, and then you just tie on a hook and a bait. So oh. it's like a free range Carolina rig, where so when your bait hits the bait, the sinker goes straight down, and the bait like
1: float. Sh- yeah, okay, it's it's still on the ro- the line on the ring, but it just comes down very slow to the sinker.
0: Yeah, so it's like a That's Carolina rig without cool. connection and no stop and so I don't know it's Shin Fouquet and a few others talked about it quite a bit.
1: Uh, well, I guess the arsenal is going to have to make the the ring style drop shot
0: weights now. <laughs> <laughs> um, 6.8 Kitex, 10 of beast hooks next week, next weather, and he has not using big swim baits. Uh, yeah, I would just say, uh, we flats this time of year, I would cover flats with those bigger swim baits, uh, beast hook weighted, um, just start, move up. Gaff would be the guy. He likes to throw those big uh, kayakx with beast hooks. Um, oh, yeah. anywhere you throw, anywhere you throw a chatterbait or a spinnerbait, you can do the same thing with those bigger swim baits this time of year. All right, so we're caught up on the questions, <clears throat> so people can, uh, and we're up to almost fifty now. So, uh, oh, so yeah, we both, both just missed the toc on whitefish. Yeah. So,
1: you know, I just, I, it's not that I made bad decisions. I just kind of didn't have anything going day two that would grant me big fish. I, I got, I caught a big fish right at the buzzer basically, but it was a skinny mini. So it made me bubble boy. I came in 13th. You came in 11th. We both missed the team by you know not even a half an ounce or ounces. So it's just, it's, a, it's a unfortunate, but you got to move on, press on. Hopefully in your case, since you're 11th, someone drops out or can't make it and you can still make a uh, regionals. So good luck on good luck on that one. But, that one kicked so, uh, me in the balls real hard. and
0: uh, then. So I'm I, praying for a crappy destination like Indiana or Ohio. Because if it goes some more place cool, there's no way anybody drops out. But if it's a terrible place, then I got a chance.
1: Okay. So that's how that works. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I, can't, I got back from TOC. And I had, like, two days to do, like, two weeks of work. And I don't know how, but I got, like, half of it done. And then I had to get back. I had to go drive to uh, the river. Was it the river? No, it was right to Pacagama. It's uh, champion store on Pacagama. I spent a week up there practicing and then we had the derby up there. And So going up to there, you know, this year I didn't have no, it was... quite the year I've had. Like last year I didn't... Vermilion. We
0: went to no, Vermilion, right?
1: We went to Vermilion, the Mississippi River Pool 4 and Pacagama. and then the championship, if you made yeah. it, was on Trout Lake yeah. nearby up in Pacagama. So... You know, last year, I was kind of mid-pack, like every event. Um, I was just outside of check range every time last year. I made the championship. I I'm, I cashed one check at Lahamadu, you know, biggest mover award. I was in last place, and I popped up 45 pounds or so and got right under the check line. But, you know, I made some mistakes last year that, that you know – enabled me to cash some checks on leech. I flipped a, a, a four-pounder in first cast, right before, you know, two minutes too early before the line's in. So uh, that uh, that fish didn't count, and then that ended up being 10 spots in the standings that day, that yeah. 4
0: pound. So, before we dig into the Champions Tour too much, for the people yeah. that may know, so Champions Tour is a circuit in Minnesota that's probably on its fifth year now, give or take, fourth or fifth, uh, led by Classic Bass, Scott Bonama, and it's uh it's ranged anywhere from 25 to 50 boat fields. It's a kind of a pro-only MLF style tournament. You have an observer in your boat, it's an every fish counts. It's the whole first half, second half, you divide the lake. You fish usually one half and not the other half in the afternoon. Um fairly big money investment to get in. Uh entry fees are steep <laughs> at a grand. Um there is decent paybacks if you uh, you make it. It's twelve grand to win, I think, this year. Um, and then they have a championship, which is also an entry fee championship, right?
1: It's a it was free free entry this year to the
0: championship. So, so that was new. In the past years, it was a entry yeah, fee. Yeah, it was
1: always five hundred dollars for the championship, but this year they made it and uh,
0: free. Okay. It really That's awesome. a move in the right direction. Yep.
1: Um,
0: and I guess uh, practice is pretty much there's no off limits on practice, and then the info sharing only cuts off like a couple days before the start. <laughs>
1: yeah, the, the info sharing actually cuts off like the the night before at the meeting when they give you the, yeah. of the light, which I don't agree with. Like I, that's one thing I, I kind of wish they would change the rules on. I thought they when they were making some big rule changes for this season, I thought that was going to be one of them, um, but unfortunately, it wasn't. So um, it's we won't get into that. Yeah.
0: I I definitely like a lot of things about the classic bass, but there's a couple things as a guy that doesn't have unlimited PTO and has to pick and choose what he's going to do. And in every fish counts tournament, it's pretty difficult to roll in on a day and a half or two days of practice and be competitive consistently in my opinion. Um, And then the fact that there's no cap on tournament practice or info sharing just kind of leads me like where I'm at in my life. I'm not, I don't have a week for each tournament, <clears throat> yep. so that, that kind of leaves me out right now. I gave my feedback. That doesn't mean what they're doing is right or wrong. It's just not a fit for me yeah. uh, at this point. So, um, but I think
1: uh, a lot of all this stuff, you know, again, this is only like the fourth year of it, and every year they're fine tuning it and working yeah. the gears out, and it's not going to fit everybody's style. So you know, you lose some, you win some every single year, but last year we kind of always had around 40 guys on, on the tour. This year we capped at 48 guys every single event. So we're finally getting the numbers that we that we wanted from the start. And I think next year it's going to definitely, I mean, there's, I think there's already a waiting list started for next year. So uh-huh. it depends on how many guys this year, you know, are going to continue on and, and continue to fish, but it used to be an invite only situation and then kind of outgrew that because there was 25 guys on an invite basis and then they wanted to expand the field just to bring in some more money into and and exposure to these anglers in our region. And so when they amped it up to about 40, 50, two years ago, it was still hard to find those 50 guys that wanted to put a thousand dollars down and had the week or week and a half to spend on tour. Um, So it it was harder to fill out. But I think with this year, with COVID or the pandemic or whatever you want to call about it, there was guys that just needed to get out of the house and they had some free time and some extra money. So they were able to hop on tour uh, this year and join up. Also, they put the river in the schedule, which opened up a lot of river rack kind of guys to kind of join the the tour too. And uh, because they felt that they had a big opportunity to win or cash out at the river. So um, there was a lot of different... Uh, little things that happened this year that made champion tour I think shine uh but it was definitely on a different pace this year but I think also having the $12,000 first place they upgraded the boat for the championship win uh the pay scale was a little bit shorter it wasn't to like 15 16 it was only up to 13 every event this year but I mean even the bottom guy won $1500 you know so you're getting your entry back plus some which was sure. the- which was a huge deal for a lot of guys to stick around the tour. So,
0: so, but yeah. yeah. Obviously, you did not have the season you wanted to have. You, <laughs> no. I think you said you did you, did you cash any checks or you just nope, missed?
1: No, nope, this year, uh, I, I didn't do too hot. We had our first event on Vermillion, we had 48, 48 or 49 guys for that one. I was on fire in practice. We all say it, we're all catching them in practice, we're all having a good good time I had my, my rotations every day both deep and shallow were, were paying off I wasn't piss pounding my spots I knew I was leaving fish around in practice but I felt confident I felt like hey, I could top 10 this event no doubt but I was catching all big fish in practice it's typical Fabiano move in champion tour practice catching all the big ones in practice and not finding those big ones game day but that's what happened I just um The split, actually, what happened for for million for me what the split and my boat number weren't in favor for what I wanted to do. So it didn't necessarily spin me out, but it made me have to reassess my gameplay, like, the night before. So, like, it it kind of made me make a bad decision. I had two starting spots. One was, you know, a, a strip of docks, and I knew fishing the docks in the morning was a gamble, but I tried it some practice mornings, and I still ended up having a lot of success. So I was like, do I go and get this strip of docks? And if I get it all alone, I have a good opportunity to bump up the, the standings really quick. Or I had this island with some shoreline that was just in practice. I would go at, you know 20 feet and catch a three pounder every 20 feet. And it was amazing. And I was like, wow, this is a tremendous spot. So I didn't know which one to, to start out with. I ended up going to the docks in the first morning. I Now it's the bad decision because an hour and a half later, I'm seeing Jacob Novak just beat up the standings. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm running to my second spot. Sure enough, who's on my second spot with Jacob Novak and got the camera boats around him. And he's literally sitting in first place with like 44 pounds. And we actually, I he, he was at the end of the island, I was at one end. We kind of met in the middle and I just asked him, I was like, have you been here the whole time? He's like, I've been literally going back and forth this entire time. And they're just here. And I'm like, oh man, like, and that's a decision. Like I messed up on that decision and it costed me 40 pounds possibly, you know, would right. I have caught the same fish as Jacob? I have no idea, but I, it's, it was a, it was a hot area, good target, target strike zone. And I just, the decision-making that I did, you know, led me to have a very pit, you know, low, low tournament. I had, I came in 34th, out, like 48, so very far for the check and bad points, you know? so i wasn't i wasn't happy about Vermillion when i had the confidence going in there and then going into the river i only had um i've only fished the river in the spring like though not even like when no i've only been down to winona a couple times but pretty much all that wabasha area and pool four a little bit of pool four i had some experience but in the spring and i like fishing down there in the spring but man with the water being low this year it was very hard to get into backwater areas um, so and you know, I didn't want to ruin my boat and I'm trying to sell it so I, I was trying to be careful about what I was doing and uh, there's a lot of growth that are not a lot of vegetation growth in that backwater areas where you normally run in the spring and you can't even run that now in, in the July or August time so it was it was it was difficult I couldn't get on anything I, I had very low experience with Pepin the main lake so I put a lot of my practice in on Pepin and we were staying all together, like pretty much all the Arsenal guys were in one house. So we were at least trying to dial each one in on bites because they were so hard to find. Like every guy would come home every night and be like, yeah, I caught 10 fish and three were keepers. Or I caught two keepers today and that's it. Or I caught a bunch of walleye. And that's how it was. You had guys running up on you on practice. Like I had Figgy run up on me and, you know, he's like, I came not catch him. Well, and, and then look what happens. He found a school and caught 70 pounds in the in the first little period there, so it just goes to show you—you you never know what you're going to run into on 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 core and how the fish move and this and reorient depending on the day, depending on the conditions, all that kind of stuff. So the river didn't go my—the river wasn't but my favorite
0: And sandbaggers—they're so all liars and sandbaggers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the river wasn't in my favor too. Uh, I uh, came in 31st in that event, so not ideal, out of a check again, you know, not, you know, bad points, so I don't know, I I was sitting pretty crappy going into our last event, we usually have four events, we only had three events this year.
0: Dan, how many days of practice did you put in for each event?
1: Um, Vermilion, I think I, I put in four, I would have put in five, but I had some engine trouble, so I had to you know, work on the boat one day. So I had four days on Vermilion. I had four days on the river and I think I had four or five days on Pakegama. Okay. Um, but it's not all those days I'm fishing. There's a lot of days where I'm just scanning or looking around or uh, figuring out running times or idle times and stuff like that. Just trying to figure out some type of gameplay and then put the puzzle pieces together every single day, you know? And the biggest thing I saw you post about it the other day is eliminating water. That's the big one, you know, just figuring out, Hey, I don't even have to touch this side of the lake or this corner of the lake. It's just not working for me. I have confidence in other areas. And if I can just rotate or go through those areas again, you know, I have the confidence that the fish are there at least. So yeah. Eliminating water is huge. What's up, Sean. What's up
0: punch fishing. So then you roll into pokagama This is where you're going to make, make your big comeback.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, going into Pokagama, Everyone was telling me you need a top fifteen in points to be able to probably swing into the championship. Even a top fifteen is, is really flirting with the bubble line, but do better than top fifteen and you're gonna make it, Dan. So I came into Pacagama because I like Pekagama. Pekagama fishes how I like the to fish too. Um so I had a lot of confidence going in. My practices were all pretty average, uh, but in terms of volume of fish i couldn't you know we we're all we we're always looking for those schools of fish but you know everyone was kind of saying the same thing i can't find them deep uh, you know this cold front coming through and all this rain it's just kind of making them skittish or you know really get you could see them deep everywhere but they just weren't biting it, no matter what you threw at them. you could sit on a hump for three hours throw the kitchen sink and you still wouldn't catch anything so i mean the the main bite for the deal was was shallow. Even though Noah won when he went out deep and caught all those smallies in the second period and and won and took in that big deep gamble, which was the things you have to do to take those big gambles to win. But, um, yeah, Pakegama ended up practice. I was it was weird. I was catching for my biggest five every day around nineteen pounds. I, it was unreal. I was catching a five pounder every day and big fours, and it was just. I was on it and I felt confident that I was going to do a top 10 and sure enough, you know, everything changed with the wind kind of changed a little bit for tournament day. It was supposed to be stronger than it was, even though it was really bad. It was like was gusts up to 35, you know, there was five foot, four foot rollers out there. I didn't play in it, but there were some guys that did play in it. Um, but you know, uh, game game day, I took a gamble that's what I did. And I was boat 28 mid pack. That sucks because even if you reverse the order on after lunch, I'm still kind of in that middle pack at that number. So again, I didn't get the boat draw that I kind of wanted, but it kind of worked out in my favor because I wasn't planning on fishing the Jay Gould bridge, but you know, I, I watched every boat not go up there. And I just couldn't believe it. Like that wasn't my game plan at all, but I'm watching every boat and no one's going up the river. And I see one boat go to the mouth of the river and and sit there and wait for lines in. And I I'm like, Holy crap, I'm going to go up river. So I go up the river and I get the bridge and sure enough, with the lake cut this year, the river was split down the middle, so basically the middle pylon of the bridge, and then just make a line all the way down the middle of the bridge, then a the middle down the Tioga, down the down to down the islands. it was a very weird split this year, and um, so they'd said each period you get to fish one side of the bridge depending on which side you start on we got to select which side of the split we got to start on too so I would I selected a side that I felt that no one was going to select in the morning because the wind was going to be piss pounding it in the morning and I thought guys were going to want to get out of the wind. And the one side had a lot more water to cover and that first side in the morning had very little water to cover. It was just pretty much mainly docks and and shoreline and not a lot of deep spots in play. So, I think I made the right choice cuz not a lot of people picked that east side and I did. And then I went up river And then I sat there in the morning uh, and right before I made my lines in, I called Paul just to make sure I didn't do anything wrong. And he told me, hey, you can fish the side that you picked. And then I heard Scott in the background go, or you can fish the entire bridge for one period, but you can't go back there second period. I go, I'm fishing the damn bridge right now. (laughs) I'm up here. I'm fishing it. So I fished it and it wasn't like practice. It was kind of fun in practice. I caught a lot of fish on it. A lot of different variety of fish too is pretty cool, um, but I only caught two two on each side of the bridge in the morning. So I had you know I, I got up there quick while it was a very difficult bite for everyone. You know it was a very big cold front that morning. We had hardcore thunder and lightning storms the night before, so the bite was just it was off. And I those first four fish kept me in like that top eight for for the first half an hour, forty five minutes. I left that bridge and I took my <laughs> swim jig. It's kind of like my bread and butter what i use the most i know how to i just i know how to use the swim jig very well and i went around that corner first corner of the bridge and
0: i was just picking off bass
1: left and right and they were all at least two pounds which is great not you're not pulling in one pound dinkers i was at least kind of going up to the, the, the standings a little bit quicker than i normally do and uh it was crazy they were hungry they were following it out of the pads like i would be rolling it over the tops of pads letting it fall in some holes and they would come to the hard edge, and you would see that the pads move, and they would swim out of the pads and basically come up to the boat and eat it at the boat, so I was basically just setting the hook at the boat and flipping them in the boat. It was crazy, and I went down that whole river stretch for the first whole period, went back and forth, back and forth. Um, camera boats were with me for like two hours, and I didn't even know, but I ended up being in first place for a couple hours, and With like 25 pounds and I ended up going into lunch with like 20, I think a 25 or 26 pounds and I was in third place going on the lunch. So that was pretty cool. And I, I had some confidence going into the, you know, that I was going to do a top 10 and just didn't work out. I just dropped the ball. Like, um, I, I made a bad decision again. And that decision was, I had the other side of the river. I could have fished. But the sun came out during lunch, and it was getting warm out, and so I figured that some of my dock strips were going to go. So I made that choice to go to some dock strips that were pretty far away, um, and, not, and I just kept catching 15-ouncer, 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 like right under a pound because pounds, them, you count your fish now. It's not 12 inches anymore. It's a pound um and so i caught like six or seven fish that were at 14 15 ounces and it just just ruined me man it kind of spun me out i couldn't believe it was happening and um then i ran back to the river and sure enough i get in the river and there's already like three or four guys in there and that's where connor came up to board and he flipped inside where i was going to start initially and he went up that whole stretch and put in like 30 pounds up there doing that and it was just because of that that I made that choice in the morning, not only just because I didn't see anyone go up the river, but the storm affected the lake fish for sure. And those those river fish, they're just, they're feistier. They're different. They have current. They, because of the current, they're a little bit more distracted, I feel, than those lake fish. So they, they just were ready to eat and eager to eat. And I should have just stuck it out because I know if I would have just flipped that whole thing, period, too. I probably would have been top five, top three. Sure. No doubt. And I, I made a bad, bad call. Ended up coming in 14th spot. They pay down 13 spots. So I missed a check by one spot. And then I came in, I think, 26th or 27th in, in the AOI standings and top 24 made championship. So huge freaking kick in the nuts again this year, just being bubble boy all year. And that's because my head's not been completely screwed on this year just because – of everything that's happened in our world and the business is kind of taking over my life right now. So, and that's important to me. And if I'm going to have this big momentum and growth in the business, I'm going to, I'm going to, spe- I'm going to make sure I put all my focus into that right now, but hopefully in 21, I'll have some help with the company so I can put my, you know, my, my focus cap back on and, and get to slugging it out with you guys again. And trying to take some money away from you guys.
0: <laughs> so, do you think you're for sure in the next year or wait and see what the schedule looks like? Or what are your thoughts about that?
1: For, for champion tour? Yeah. Um, it's probably 80, 20. I'm probably 80% going to do it again, just because I've done it the last two, two and a half years. Um, this year, last year we're full time. And then the year before, when it was invite, I got invited to one of the events. Um, so, um, I'm probably going to do it. It's the biggest thing we got going for us in our state, you know, Um, $60,000 boat for championship, $12,000 first place, top five payout pretty, pretty damn well. Um, Top, you know, if you get top 10, you're, you're getting your money back plus some. So Um, it's definitely worth it. I like the format. It's totally, I, I fish a lot of five fish derbies. So It's nice to have something different and refreshing Mm -hmm. and it's a totally different pace and your adrenaline kicks in and you have to make completely different choices and decisions than you would in a five fish derby. So it just, it's a, fishing's a mental game. And this is like another mental puzzle and it's fun to play this new, different puzzle, you know, Uh I I recommend it for a lot of people. If you got the money and the time and you want to, you want to try to win some good money, you know, come join the champions tour, but I I have a feeling they're going to, Stop making it open to the public. This is just my perception. It's nothing I know or anything, but I think they're going to go back to invite only because it's starting to become a little bit prestigious. Again, we're getting close to fill in the field. And, you know, they want to round it off with the best caliber of anglers in our state. I really believe that and, or in our region, they're pulling guys from Indiana and Illinois now and Iowa and the Dakotas. So, um, we have a bunch of FLW boys, Chad Grigsby joining this year. We got Matt Steffen, um, Jim Moyna. you know, so there's, so there's some big names. There's Mark courts too in here. A lot of good, lot of, lot of good talent on tour. And I think it's just going to progress over the years. And what they'll probably do is they'll always invite the guys that have been on the tour previously and then kind of go down that chain. And if they can't fill it from previous anglers, then they'll open it up to the public, you know? So but I definitely recommend guys if you're gonna do something different and you want to take a you know a gamble to actually win some of the best money. On Champ Tours where to look? Go to ClassicBass.com and check it out, guys.
0: Yeah, I do feel like it does seem like over the past couple of years, it's a lot of the same guys that are making hay. <laughs> so I don't know if they just got it figured out how to attack it, how to practice, how to set it up. Or but uh, definitely uh, there are definitely guys that are profiting and then there are guys that are learning hard lessons in the champions tour.
1: Oh yeah. But you know, some of these guys that have been big winners have been guides on the lake on, on these lakes for many years. Some of these guys have 10, 20, 30 years experience. You got guys like Jared Linder last year that was on tour, you know, with the Al Linder family. You got Dean Capra. You know, you got, you got some legendary names in the state where these guys have been fishing with their fathers, their grandfathers, their great-grandfathers on these lakes. And so even if you don't fish history, you still have experience on this those, those bodies of water. And that is a huge thing in this game, especially with this year when we had the championship was no entry champion fish, no practice champion fish. And they didn't let you know it until after the last third event. So if you made it the cut, then they told you where the lake was. So it was no one to practice on. it. But what was happening was since everyone knew the championship lake had to be in the vicinity of Pakegama, there are some guys that already have enough experience out on Pakegama. They didn't even practice Pakegama all week. All they did was hop around to all the lakes up north and test them all out just in case one of those lakes was picked. They had a day of practice out there, so they weren't running around scanning or running around looking for primetime, high-target, high-volume areas. So,
0: yeah. Somebody asked me where I thought it was, and I said I thought it was going to be on trout.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you were right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was like, it's big enough. It's good fishing. It's close enough. It's got a nice park on the north end. I know Scott's been there to MC a junior tournament that I did. So I was like, <laughs> that's where it's going to be. Uh, so Sean, he's talking about the Classic Bass Champions Tour. It's an MLS style uh, tour in Minnesota. So Sean wants to know what what do you do for work, business? So why don't you recap, and then we'll maybe talk about some of that stuff a little more in depth.
1: So what I do is I run Arsenal Fishing and Arsenal Customs. Uh, Arsenal Fishing is a tackle and accessory company for bass fishermen and any type of tournament fishermen, and Arsenal Customs. Um, what I do with Arsenal Customs is make uh, tournament jerseys and custom headwear and sports apparel for high school teams, fishing clubs, uh, racers, drift racers, you name it. Anyone that needs some custom apparel, I'm going to start doing it for them. Um, and that's pretty much my day job. I, I grew up being a graphic designer. I do a lot of video editing. I grew up uh, a professional rollerblader, which then turned into arsenal fishing and this fishing career, if you want to call it. Um, I might be on the Classic Bass Champions Pro Tour, but, you know, I don't consider myself a professional. I don't win professional money right now by any means. I have sponsors that definitely help me out with free product and, and, and money and monetary compensation to, to help me get to my next event. And I really support and appreciate them. Uh, I you know, I have done decently over the last couple of years, you know, trying to make my mark and, make a name for myself and try to win some <laughs> cash but it comes with experience and it comes with a lot of on water time but yep that's that's what i do for uh for my business and life i will say next.
0: this right here <laughs> like if you throw senkos you throw, Nicos, oh. you throw sean says i got three of these like I got one of these from Dan. We were down at Gunnersville two years ago, and this has saved me a lot of money. And I've actually got I, I don't even like throwing Sankos. Like yeah. <laughs> but what I do, I do got a box all set up with Nico. And I got my all three sizes of my bands all labeled for my different size worms and my little tool. So that's definitely, you know, it, it kicks the O-rings right in the teeth. It's better. <laughs> I mean, so. Oh yeah, definitely got to. don't know out. what we're
1: talking about. It's uh, I make a tool called the Wacky Nico Tube Plier, and basically, it's a it's a tool that you put a silicone band around the nose of this, and you expand the tool, and you can put a worm of any size through. And there's different size bands four millimeter all the way up to eight millimeter and they fit all different types of stick baits or soft plastics that you want to you know save them you know like a sinkle for instance you're gonna if you don't if you use a regular o-ring band or if you don't use any type of ring period you're probably going to get one or two fish if you're lucky two fish if you're lucky um, per per sinko per stick bait and uh, this 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 tool and the silicone bands that go with it uh, you're going to save a lot of soft plastics doing this, like where you normally go through two to three bags of sinkos a day. You're not even going to go through a whole bag of sinkos in one day now, because these tubes literally keep the sinko on your, on your fishing line and, uh, decrease the chances of it ripping because there's more surface area on the silicone band than an O-ring. So if you, if you want to save some money on your sinko fishing or your stick bait fishing, I highly recommend you go to the website arsenalfishing.com they actually might say sold out right now i'm sorry they literally just got back in stock today i got a whole bunch of inventory today guys we got the tools back in stock today we got seven millimeter and the six millimeter tubes that are the high sellers back in stock today mesh weigh bags are in stock today all the blackout tungsten all the new series of the blackout non-chip stamped size tungsten is all uh, available on the website right now it's going excuse me it's going very fast though because a lot of retailers figured out everything came in stock and they just bled me dry almost in 24 hours so hopefully there's some stock left on the website for you boys and girls and, yeah and if you,
0: uh, the the pliers are also at omnia fishing so if you want a discount you can use uh, Richlinger rich and 15 at omnia to <laughs> grab those pliers too so <laughs> Dan's site's got a bunch of cool stuff. I think another product that I, I mean, I haven't used a ton. guy has got, got a pretty good. Here's a good diagram of how to use the, uh, oops, I didn't, I didn't bring it up here. Yeah. Yeah. So here you go. It's a cook diagram actually on his website. shows you how you slip that band over. And, uh, you do a couple different ways you can hook it the way they show, I like actually turning at ninety and go through both walls of the tube with my hook on my like. VMS. Yeah, so
1: I can show one right now. Yeah, I can try to do that.
0: The other thing I like is this guy right here, the tactical minnow. Yep. I love those for my bladed jigs. Yes. That's probably what I found them to be the best for for me.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not just saying that because it's my company and it's my minnow, but for whatever reason, I've ch- I've tried so many different craw trailers i used to use yamamoto swimmers on the back um kai tech uh, swimmers but the thing is you already got such a big vibration on the front blade of the chatter bait you don't need the big thump in the back it's almost like there's too much vibration and movement i mean guys are still cracking them on doing that stuff but i think with the tactical minnow it's a more finesse swim bait so it has more of a shimmer with the smaller paddle tail That it 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 gives more of a realistic swim in the back of the chatterbait while you still get that vibration in the thump in the front. And so to me it's a nice
0: compromise, like it's a it's it's a super tiny, subtle, flimsy paddle tail. Like it does have a on its own, but it doesn't have enough to overpower your bladed jig. And I think that's what it's almost more like a fluke than a paddle tail. It's like a fluke with just a little bit of paddle tail. Agreed. And I think to me, and I, what makes sense, so if you think about, if you know anything about archery, right, or, or ballistics or shooting a gun, like, you have, like, spin or rifling or you have fletchings on your arrows. Fletchings are arrows fly straight, right? The drag of the fletchings keeps your arrow going straight. If you don't have fletchings on your arrow, they go like this. Well, you know what that is? That's hunting. So the less drag you have on your chatterbait trailer, the more likely your chatterbait will hunt. And I know you guys hear about hunting baits, hunting crankbaits, hunting things. Reduce a fluke, uh, uh, an arsenal tactical middle, uh, uh, Zeko to some degree, but the less drag. Get away from the boot tails. Get away from the, the flappy things. You want something that doesn't overpower it, and that will let your chatterbait hunt more, and you'll get more bites. yep. yep.
1: And if guys are wondering too, the tactical minnow comes in three sizes, three inch, three and a half, and four and a half. I use the four and a half inch on my swim jigs and my tactical minnows, or, or yeah, my swim jigs and chatterbaits, excuse me. Um, for the chatterbaits, I'll use the whole whole thing and, and rig it up because those chatterbait hooks are pretty long. But on some of the swim jigs that I use, I'll usually bite off like a, a quarter inch of that tactic, the tactic, four and a half inch tactical minnow and um, put it on my swim jig.
0: Yeah, I was throwing, when I'm fishing largies. I'm throwing that regular size one. But when on Vermilion, I was throwing that, I think it was a three and a half.
1: Yeah, that's a three and a half.
0: So I was putting that on the back of my for smallies, and then I throw the bigger one when I'm around largies. typically. <laughs> um, well, y- you can't lose those
1: pliers, bud.
0: Yeah, well, we'll keep getting them. You have one in, <laughs> one in this bag, one in your boat, one in your truck, one in your uh... – Sean wants to know, is there an Arsenal discount code out there for the people? Nope, he froze up the Arsenal code, and Dan froze up. Weird. <laughs> uh I
1: can get on my computer here in a little bit. It's not working, I'll try to get one by before we get off.
0: All right. If not, I'll. Uh, you can send it to me, Dan. I'll pin it in a comment or put it in the uh, uh, description so people can look at it later. Punch fishing, and always talking about that JDM stuff. That nobody can find or buy for uh, soft plastics. Uh, what are your thoughts on the development of electronics? Hard to compete with these expensive units. Um, you know, I don't think – I mean, I think a lot of people see guys like Jacob Wheeler and they see pros with all these units, and they think, man, that's why they're catching them. But does it help them catch them? Yes. Could they catch them without them? Yes. So, I mean, like, I think it's incremental. Uh, you put Jacob Wheeler out there with a couple, you know, HS uh, 10 on the back and front, and he's probably still going to kick – everybody's butt uh to be honest uh I mean I've got a 958 on the front of my boat like an old school hummingbird and I still catch them pretty darn good and I've had a lot of success in tournaments so I have one helix on my dash 900 series on my dash and a 900 series up front so I think there's you know for every guy that you see or gal or angler that you see that has four big units on their boat and they catch them or do well in tournaments. There's another eight or nine guys that have four big giant electronics with live scope or 360 that don't do a darn in tournaments. So uh, I still, to me, it's still about finding fish. It's still about catching fish. It's still about time on the water. Um, those units can help you a little bit, but they're not the difference between hero and zero. Uh, I mean, I'm always. Yeah, you know, I might put a helix on the front of my boat this year because my 900 stopped networking with my other units because it's old. Uh, But like I said, it's not a crutch. Spending eight grand on electronics and fancy units are not going to turn you into Jacob Wheeler. You still got to put the work in and do the time.
1: Sorry, guys, I had to leave for a second. Home is down. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Got yourself a charger now?
1: Yep, had to go run right inside to get the charger.
0: So that's my thought. I mean, electronics are nice, but I think a lot of people get too dependent on them. And I think a lot of people think if they spend fifteen grand electronics, they're going to be awesome, and that's not the case.
1: Agree. <laughs> yeah, Hardcore. And they don't work,
0: and somebody use their heading. Sensor down in Gunnersville to get all spun out when it doesn't work. So
1: there's a guy in our state. He's probably one of the best dock anglers in the entire state. Arnold Helgerson. Dude didn't have shit for grabs all the way until last year, and that guy was checking out at pretty much every event for it seems like. Or. And now, just because he's in the champion store, and he's a. You know, battle it out and find school. That's that's the reason why I started putting Oof. that format.
0: Dan, your connection is getting a little rough. <laughs> you are locking up. Um so Sean, fall lure lineup to me. A jig, a chatterbait, buzzbait for a while, maybe a frog while it's warm, but a jig and a bladed jig are going to be key for me uh, most of the fall. That's the, Those are my go-tos. Oh, boy. Dan, I'm going to take you out of the stream, and then you can try to come back in. Usually that fixes the choppiness, so hopefully you can hear that. So, yeah, Dan needs to pay his his Wi-Fi bill, so I'm just going to – Attributes for successful anglers. I think time on the water um, and it's mental toughness and decision-making. Let me just text him. All right, he's back. Let's see. You better? Can you guys hear me again? Much better. So sometimes these things get a little wonky. You just got to bring it back in. Uh, so says, what do you think is the attribute of successful tournament anglers? Um, and I was going on saying that, you know, time on the water helps. Uh, staying in tune with the fish, you know, being on the water regularly helps, in my opinion. Uh, even if it's not the water you're going to fish, uh, being on the water quite a bit. So you're kind of got to feel like it's just like anything. Like you take, if you're a professional baseball player and you take three months off and don't swing a bat, you're going to be rusty. Uh, so just being on the water, being consistent.
1: Yep. Yeah, being consistent is huge because, especially when you get into these bigger derbies where you have two, three day derbies, if you can be a consistent angler and always get those low teens or mid teen bags, that's going to make you, you know, excel into the, in those bigger tournaments and stuff like that but uh, I think consistency is huge in this sport
0: yeah and mental toughness is huge like you can't when you lose a fish you can't get spun out when your boat like the live well pumps or the bilge or the the, the depth finder is not doing what you want it to do or whatever the, the your battery goes dead like you got to be prepared you, you have a jump box you have cables you you, you fix it you move on like don't let that stuff just like completely derail your day. Um, you just, there's going to be adversity and it's how you deal with the adversity is what makes you a good tournament angler. <laughs> exactly. Um,
1: Cause spinning out. Well, it, it, I've seen a this guy spin out in the first spot of the morning just because their fish weren't there. And then now they feel like yeah. they're not going to have the day that they, they hoped and dreamed for. It's like, well, those fish could have moved 50 yards up this stretch. You never know. Just keep your head on tight and, and keep going and, and grinding and pressing it out. I mean, most of my best top, top finishes were because I caught a good fish on the last cast of the day, or I made that adjustment in the last 30 minutes of the day and found all the fish that I needed that made my bag. So you never get, I mean, the whole Ike quote, you never give up. I mean, it's true in this sport. We'll say it over and over again, but having the, that, a good attitude on the water till the very last moment of the day that usually helps you gain more bites and just be, you know, have more success on the water.
0: Yeah. A good start's always nice, but, it, you know, over time, it's more how you finish than you start. In tournaments. Exactly. Um, so Sean asked, did any of you guys co-angle before jumping into boater? Uh, yeah. When I was younger, I fished a lot as a non-boater in club tournaments. Oh. And, I entered a, and I entered a few Silverado Pro-Ams and, and did a little bit of that while, you know, coming up. Like I would typically – Co at a level and boat, you know boat at a level and then co at a level higher and kind of move up. Uh, when I was younger, and Dan's frozen again. So <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we have never had this much issue. Dan needs to pay for his internet at his house. Yeah, having a confidence bait or two helps for sure. Um, absolutely sycamore. So all right, we'll see if we can add Dan back. He's moving again. Um, tips for co-angling. I think we talked about this right before your Shelbyville or Ren tournament, Sean. But uh, yeah, I think just be ready for the opportunities. You're going, you know, no matter what your boater does, you're going to have some opportunities throughout the day, and it's your job to realize them and be ready for them. So if he's going down the bank and he's beating it with a jig all day. You got to be watching where he's not fishing. You got to watch for that, you know, deadhead over his right shoulder or whatever that he never saw. And as you go by it, it comes by you. You make that cast, uh, or maybe you notice some weak pump on the flat behind you that you can fish with a chatterbait, um, or you know, you can drag a shaky head behind the boat. You just have to like pretend the water is just coming at you, and you make the very best decisions, lure presentations, and just do what you can that you feel is going to, like, give you the best chance to get a bite. Um, and, like, you just got to take what's coming to you and be ready for those opportunities and make the most of them. I guess that's the best way. And, and have a few confidence-based. Dan's rigging a uh, – it was a uh, wacky – It was just a
1: sinko, wacky, wacky sinko. But I was A very cool.
0: choppy, slow-mo version of it. <laughs> oh,
1: God, my internet has full bars right now.
0: So I don't know the guys in chat. Is it just Dan or is it me as well? Because <laughs> uh, we are on the struggle bus with Dan, so hopefully my feed is not that bad as well. Yeah, good tips by Eric here. Limit your tackle. Things you have confidence, things that are versatile, and uh, and uh, yeah, just take what take what the take what comes to you. Good to know, guys. Thanks. Um, it's probably because Eric is uh, stealing Dan's Wi Fi, and that's probably why it sucks.
1: I might have to move into the house for a little bit.
0: Sure. Yeah, good points, Ballin. Yeah, I think that, that's a very good point of view, and, and be there to learn. And if you catch fish, that's great. That's the visor is always looking good, Shadow. Um, good to see you, man. Eric, did you win your softball game, Gaff? Yeah. Everybody was been asking all night whether you won or not. <laughs> But so I guess we've covered a lot um, while Dan's kind of moving around. Um, definitely. If you're in the market for a Jersey check out arsenal customs or whether you want some custom stuff for your club or your youth group or your high school team. Uh, from what I've heard, he's got some good prices. Um, hey, awesome. Thank you. Sean live for the super chat. That's awesome, but much appreciated. Um, uh, where can you buy a knockoff Nico rig tool? Well, if you're really that hard, uh, <laughs> you can get them on eBay and Amazon and places like that. But honestly, they're not that expensive. You know, I think 20 bucks or something like that gets you a, a tool and a bunch of leaves. So uh, for what it's going to save you, I don't think you need to really worry about uh, buying a knockoff tool, to be honest. Uh, but otherwise, if you look, you can find them. Um, and then you can just use my code 15 at and Omni and save 15%. So that'll probably put you even with the knockout tools. Uh, so you fish better than you play softball. So I guess that's uh, one way to answer it. Uh, okay. We're making the move. Dan's on the move. We're going to put him in timeout until he, he gets inside. Um Steer, (laughs) a steer bander at a farm supply store. Interesting. All right. I feel like that'd be a very secure way to uh, put your, uh, your stick baits on your hook. Um, Yeah. And and you can, you can buy aftermarket tubing as well, or you can buy the refill kits. There's a lot of options. Um, You know, none of it's that expensive. Honestly, It's one of the few things I don't mind, like, buying because it saves me so much uh, in plastics. Steer banders for ice fishing. We don't talk about ice fishing on that stream. That is forbidden talk, punch fishing. Oh, we're going to tour Dan's house now. Oh, this is how the rich and famous live in Maple Grove. Uh, this is uh, Arsenal trip, brought to you by yeah. Alabama. This is how the rich and famous live in Maple Grove. Uh, oh, he's got an echo going. Yep, yeah,
1: sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> he's got multiple units. Dan. So this is the life of Dan at Arsenal. Uh, yeah, sorry. Too much. Is that little studio action? This is the yeah, this is where, this is my,
1: uh, my console. My, this is where I spend like all of my time.
0: You're going to have to mute your computer. Otherwise you're going to hear the echo. <laughs>
1: <FL>. It's <laughs> muted now. Sorry.
0: Uh, yeah. I'll have, I'm going uh, to sign off the phone the and then go to the
1: link on the computer.
0: Yeah. Okay. If, uh, what's that?
1: Uh, take me off the phone and then I'll go through the link on the computer.
0: All right, we're booting him and he'll come right back. All right. <laughs> Too true, even when he's up north. Uh maybe you need some white cloths to boost the Wi-Fi signal, Sean. Um, yeah, I'll get some links to the tubing and that kind of stuff when I when the video comes out tomorrow after lunch. I'll make sure that those descriptions are all in the links below to help you guys find that. So you can get the tool and the tubing and a kit. At, uh, at Omnia, I'll put links to that. And then otherwise, uh, I'll help you find some other stuff as well. <clears throat> yeah, Eric, next time we have Dan on, you definitely got to be there because this has been a hot mess. So um, you'd think so, Chad. You would think so. Slam and small smallmouth crush during the break. Yeah, I is 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 Travis been streaming lately? I haven't seen him much. Um, He's he got some good streams. I've enjoyed them. Um, I don't know. I do like myself a dark cherry white cloth, Sean. I don't know. I, I can get on board with those. What if I told you I had Lulu pants on right now? Would you be impressed or uh, think think little of me like uh, with Travis? Oh, out of stock. Bummer. That's right. We'll we'll get your code to Arsenal if not, and uh, I'll get a kill from Dan and put that in the description. Pants are optional, although it's getting pretty chilly in the in the garage these days. So, and again, we don't talk about ice fishing on this stream. Shadow, come on now. but yeah so hopefully dan gets back and we can finish our talk but we covered a lot of good stuff we talked about the champions tour we talked about arsenal fishing uh arsenal customs we talked about the toc um what dan's all got going on we need to get some swim jig tips we that was one of the things he was promising he's going to give us some swim jig juice so when he comes back that'll be our our topic to start with Travis must be just too busy guiding these days. Dan's back.
1: Hi, you're here.
0: Yeah. Oh, we got a guest, huh? I'm back. Can people hear me? Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay, we're good
0: now. So, one of the things we didn't talk about yet is swim jig juice
1: yep and i brought it all inside because i knew that we didn't get to that at all alrighty so let's make this full screen how about that
0: you i mean i can put you on full screen if you want well, it doesn't matter whatever so
1: okay. that's you full screen right yeah let me oh hello everybody so yeah we're going to talk a little bit about swim jigs because most people know that i'm a big swim jigaholic uh i don't know why i just kind of became one of my like bread and butters over the years i seem to do really well um fishing it deep (sighs) shallow doesn't matter i just i just know how you get dialed into a specific bait and you just never let it let go of it that's 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 my bait a white swim jig so this is one of the ones that i I typically throw and use and as you can see i use my arsenal tactical minnow on the back there and i honestly i i have so much success on this jig right here that i i don't ever try to actually put a different trailer on the back of it every once in a blue moon the only other trailer i'll put on the back of this swim jig Will be a twin tail grub or a one tail grub just because depending on the bite that that one tail grub or the twin tail grub they, the tooth the twin tail kicks really nice and moves a lot of water and that mm-hmm. single tail grub it circles and spins all weird and it just it entices and triggers a different type of bite when they're really really picky so um that's Kind of what I've learned over, over just fishing a swim jig so much that I've kind of dialed in my soft plastics on the back and how to fish it. Um, but typically I'm throwing a white because most bait, you know, as much as there's a lot of natural colors with the bait that we throw, fish I still see in different color patterns, and I, I really believe that, that that different contrast or hue that they see is usually on that white spectrum the most and uh, you see a lot of silver fish or, and a lot of scales on fish are kind of iridescent or, or shiny or silver so i think that white has pretty much the highest percentage of, of getting a bite um, and up here in minnesota a lot of guys kind of look look down upon that because you get a lot of um, northern pike you're going to catch a lot of northern pike on a white or a bright colored swim jig whether it's orange or neon green or you know that the flashy whites. You're going to catch a lot of pike, and that's why a lot of guys don't throw it because they don't want to deal with catching pike all day. But uh, with me, sometimes you can clean out a pike and in, in a one full area, and then pick out pick off the bass. As much as there's pike in the area, bass also typically are around pike as well. I'm, I know I know they uh, they hunt bass, but uh, I find a lot that as much as you find bass with walleyes or smallmouth with walleyes a lot, you still can find largemouth with pike too. So white's pretty much the main color that I'm going to throw. As you can see with this one, it's actually a swim jig with living rubber. So it's a totally different, it's not a silicone skirt, it's living rubber, it's hand tied and it's got some uh, tinsel fiber on the backside just to kind of give it that little flash and that glimmer in the water column that makes it look a little bit more realistic. And then with the tactical minnow on the back, you got that small paddle tail and that more finesse action. So this is just a very finesse swim jig. This is actually a three-eighths. I mean, I'll fish this thing deep in 15 to 18 feet of water too and throw it down and count it down and let it hit the bottom and pop it off the bottom just like a football jig or a regular jig. I, I, I fish this very versatile. And then I'll, I mean, primarily this is going to be fished in pads, sparse pads, heavy pads, reeds, um, and also uh, dock fishing. This skips like a dream. This—if you, If you're going to use a trailer, the tactical minnow trailer, I highly recommend going to the four and a half inch size than the three and a half inch size. A lot of guys like to use a three and a half or a 3.8 for their trailers. But if you just go to this four and a half inch size with at least our tactical minnow, the main body is thicker. Than the three and a half inch, and so it just has more surface area. So when you're skipping it, it just skips like a dream under docks or under brush or under trees or willows or whatever you're trying to skip. So I, I highly recommend uh, grabbing some of those tactical minnows as a trailer on your swim jigs. If I'm not throwing white, and the conditions call so different, you colors, you know different,
0: different colors, different colors, colors. What, yes. what yes. weight swim jigs are usually throwing, and what is is that an arsenal swim jig, or do you have you know, a swim jig you prefer? Um, so
1: I go with brands of swim jigs. I normally um, throw in a prototype swim jig from Arsenal fishing. We've been working on a swim jig for two years, but, um, our factory is just, they're making them, but the quality is not where I want it to be just yet. So I think this year we're going to nail it out of the park. So I'm hopefully going to have these swim jigs available. Excuse me. We'll have a finesse swim jig available and a heavy cover swim jig available and, um, So I've been pretty much throwing a prototype swim jig for the last uh, two years. And that's what, that was that white swim jig that I'm throwing. Um, Not throwing mine. If I'm not throwing mine, I'm throwing a brand called lethal weapon or I'm throwing outcast and the occasional, um, what's the other brand might be Kitek swim jigs. I, I, I only I only pretty much throw my prototypes lethal and uh, outcast. You know, here's another outcast jig, swim jig. And it's more. This is if I'm gonna throw, it's gonna be white, green pumpkin, or it's gonna be a perch color or a sunfish kind of color. But I mean, the four that I have on my desk right here are pretty much the only ones I'm gonna throw. It's here's that white again. Then I got this one that's more of a more of a natural color. It looks like a perch. You got the green head and the orange head. You got the, un- the underbelly that's a little bit orange like a sunfish or a perch. And then I got uh, four and a four-and-a-half-inch green pumpkin arsenal tactical. And then on the back of that one, I'll probably throw that one second or third. This other black and blue with some purple and blue in it from Lethal Weapon. This one can do some damage, too, sometimes on specific uh, lakes with murky water that purple just kind of flashes really nice and I get some good bites on that. Um, so between that one, those three that I just showed and then this outcast one, that's more of that sunfish pattern. And it's got some tinsel uh, rainbow tinsel in it too.
0: God, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> and are you a four ounce guy, a three eighths ounce guy? What, what weights? I'm pretty, with my
1: swim jigs, I'm pretty much three eighths across the board. Um, the, the, I'll throw a quarter ounce every once in a blue moon if it's if I'm in really shallow water or if I just know that there's kind of schooling on top of the water column or like subsurface. Like I see, like one of the big things where a guy will throw in a they see some fish schooling on top water. Most guys are going to go throw in a, a popper or a spook or something top water to get them to bite. I'll throw a quarter ounce white swim jig. And just it'll be subsurface, and they crush that too. It's it's an easy meal. They don't have to come completely up to the surface and miss something. And then I I feel confident in it that I'm not gonna jump off a treble fo- treble hook out of a fish, and that I can smack one and give them the meat on a hook set with a swim jig. You know, just jig. I know it's not a regular flipping jig, but still a swim jig. I still jack them. They load up sometimes, but I like to jack them, and I feel really confident when I jack one on a swim jig that it's going to come in the boat nine times out of 10 9.9 times out of 10 if I if I really put the meat and potatoes to the fish on a swim jig they're getting
0: in the boat so what's your rod and then are you a braid floro? what's what's your setup
1: um so I'll usually have three around three rods just for swim jigs myself um it's kind of weird because you know I'm with Dobbins Rods and I Love all all the high end rods. I don't have any ecstasies. I will say that the five hundred and fifty dollar price point rods. But this year I've been really getting into those Champion HPs that like at almost four hundred dollar price range rod and can't can't tell you how much I love that those HPs. But um, pretty much all my setup now is Champion XPs and HPs. And i but however what I'm getting what I'm trying to say is with my white swim jig that I have in my hand almost all the time. It's on a 733C Dobbins Fury. (laughs) So it's on a lower end rod by Dobbins, but I've had that rod in my hand since I started really fishing a swim jig. And for whatever reason, that rod is not broke at all. I've just replaced a few guides and uh, it just feels right in my hand, no matter if it's a little bit heavier than other stuff. I, I still just feel right with that Fury 733 and a 734. Sometimes you know you need a little bit more backbone and that power, so I go and go, get, go up to the 734 in case I'm fishing some deep, deep uh, th- excuse me, thicker stuff.
0: And what what line? Um,
1: if I'm fishing docks and sparse vegetation, I'm pretty much going to be throwing this on 30 pound test. If I'm going to yeah, uh, be fishing reeds, 30 pound. Excuse, yeah, 30 pound braid. And if I'm going to be fishing reeds or really thick stuff, I'm going to hike that up to, you know, the 40 or 50 pound braid, depending on the situation. And every, and if I do, if I'm just primarily doing docks, sometimes I'll do the braid to fluoro thing and put on a 12 or, 50, or eh, 15 pound fluoro as, as the leader. And uh, I get a couple extra bites. Just I, I, I feel I get a couple extra bites having that fluoro leader on my swim jig un, around docks. So,
0: yeah. So, predominantly you're a straight braid swim jig guy
1: yep i there's only i only find that there's only some lakes that the fish are line shy and then if most lakes like i'm still i can still fish braid in clear lakes you know even pekegum was pretty damn clear when we were up there and i've had braid on almost every single rod i was flipping every single day or swim jigging every day and uh there's some times where i had uh floral leaders on that I snapped off and then I just was too lazy to put on a, a new leader and I just tied my lure onto my braid and still was catching fish and practice and stuff. So
0: and honestly with a three L swim jig, you're you're cooking it most of the time. Like it's moving. Like three eighths? Yeah. But let me say three yeah like with a three L swim jig, that's that's a reasonably heavy swim jig. If you're fishing sallow shallow, it's moving quick. Like it's not mm-hmm. if you're fishing deeper you're slow rolling and stuff. But like yeah, action bite. They're not sitting there like Looking
1: it up. When I fish my swim jig too, if I'm like, I'll throw it into the pads and everything. I might let it sink to that hole right when I when I cast it out, and then if I feel like I get caught in something, I'll pop it free and and feel that vegetation loosen up. And then when I'm reeling it back to the boat, I'm popping it pretty much the entire way back. So I'm like, I'm keeping it moving. I'm making it like pop and like almost like you're talking about the the tactical minnow looks like a fluke. It's almost like I treat my swim jig like a fluke, and I'm constantly just kind of giving it jerks and pops all the way back, depending on the
0: situation. If
1: if I know that they just want a, a steady fast retrieve back, I'm going to give them a steady fast retrieve back. But
0: so you're um, more of like an Alabama shake guy up north, like you're you're doing the the Alabama swim jig, where which is which is a little bit rare. A lot of guys up here, including myself, are a little more. I usually start with the steady, and I'll. I'll, I'll pop it every now and then, but that's
1: no one taught me how to fish a swim jig. That's just one of those things that I got into. Like, honestly, the white swim jig thing came in. Cause four years ago, I was fishing a weekend derby or a, a night derby with my buddy, Justin Hill. And he, I got off the plane, had no practice. He's like, Oh, a white jigs working on the weed line out here. And I only had a white swim jig. My box never friggin' used it, threw it out. And we crushed that night and won the whole derby. And so I just got into it and I don't even know what jig it was. It was nothing I even remember, but I ended up just coming across some white swim jigs over time and then learning how to fish it myself. And then over the last couple of years, I've been watching, you know, the elites and all these guys a lot more and kind of trying to dial in and figure out what these guys are doing at that higher level. And why am I blanking on his name? His first name's Bill shallow guy, swim jig guy. Why am I blanking on him? What? Bill Lowen. Bill Lowen. Thank you. Big, bigger guy. He's a huge swim jig guy, and when I started seeing him talk about swim jigs on like wire to Fish or one of whatever show, he's doing the popping thing too. And so I was like, "Holy crap!" So I don't know. You're talking about this is some Alabama Southern thing. I it's just something that I started doing, mm-hmm. and if it's something that works down there, I don't know. That's what's working for me
0: up here. So. Yeah. So are you are you a high speed reel seven to one, eight to one?
1: Every, um, I don't use my swim jig on any eight to eight ratios but they're pretty much on six and
0: sevens okay and then just a straight palomar you're not doing it like any special palomar knots
1: i use palomar knot on pretty much every single thing i do just because it's so fast and efficient and they hardly snap off like ever if i'm gonna do flipping baits with a flipping hook i'll use a snell knot and then i do albert uni the uni knots double uni uni knots for my braid to floros i don't take to do these fg knots like everyone's doing i mean they look good the fg knots look good and but holy crap i watch guys that i fish with constantly it takes them 15 minutes to do an fg knot and then they snap the fg knot after they test it and they have to sit there for another 15 minutes and and tie it up again so i just i can't i'm not gonna take my time on that knot my my uni to uni knots that i do are still small enough that where they don't get stuck in the guides and they don't they don't fray off or anything like that. I hardly have issues with my my split of my my lines. It's usually they snap off at the hook. So
0: yeah, so interesting. I I definitely use floral leaders. Uh, what length are you using on a swim jig when you're doing that? One of a floral leader? Not yeah, okay. not not like it's eighteen inches, 24. Yeah, eighteen to twenty
1: four inches. Just because I, for that for that situation, I don't want that the floro the braid, or excuse me, the, the braid to fluoro not to have any contact with the guides because I want to have those skips perfect. I don't want any kind of okay. resistance. So you're, you're like
0: all eight inches, like You're going to shorten it up. Yeah. Okay. Your, your boy Hunter Wentz in the house saying hi. Hey,
1: what up Hunter? Hunter's probably one of the best high school anglers in the state hands down. And he's 17, he's in his senior year, and he's definitely going to be a force to reckon with coming up here. And he's actually thinking about fishing the Champions Tour next year, too. So, yeah, uh, he's got, I mean, we had, we had one uh 17-year-old kid in the tour this year, Astor Pearl. So, he had a rough year, but, I mean, having that opportunity at such a young age, I, I still don't see it as a failure. I still see it as a success because... You're learning from a lot of mistakes really young, and you're getting thrown into the thick of thick of it real quick. Uh, He's going to learn real quick. I guess it depends. Opportunities, myself.
0: I guess it depends on who's footing the entry fees when you're (laughs) seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Hey,
1: I'll I'll say this just to kind of take that that edge off. If I have the money and I have a child doing that stuff, I'll. I'll shell out yeah. everything I could for my child, you know, as long as yeah, I can sure. to do it, you know. Some people just have a better uh, stroke than others, you know, and
0: that's how it goes. But I'm saying, like, it's, you know, I think the opportunity there is to learn. Like, don't feel like that's – I mean, if you have that opportunity, great. But if that kid had to mow lawns and got into an ABA singles tournament, he can learn just as much doing that, you oh. know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Oh, I'm not even a little more rewarding that way for some kids. So but no. No. Chad, when are we going to see you on the champions tour? Well, I did fish the first two seasons, I think, uh part time. I made the championship, at least the first season. Um, but honestly, uh, we talked about this earlier. As soon as they limit the practice and limit the info, I'll definitely be a lot more likely to put my money in
1: um so So what happened this year what i thought we were talking about official practice i thought when they made the new rule this year that we only had one week of official practice but what Uh, it ended up being was you only had one week of official practice of what they call their official practice where you could be in the boat with a significant other or a marshal that was signed up for the tour but if you wanted to be up there for three weeks ahead of time you could you know and so that's where i'm like holy shit, nothing really changed here, except you just can't have like another guide or another hammer in your boat helping you out in practice, which was a big issue last year for a lot of guys like myself. When you see guys that are known legends or known names in the state and they got guys in their boat for the championship practice, it's like, how is that fair? I'm in my boat spending time and I'm trying to learn this like myself. And you got guys that Bring it on the water that have been fishing the lake for ten years, or they live on the lake, and it's just like, ah, come on, guys. So, it's good that Champion Tour likes to hear that feedback, and they try to make adjustments every year, and that's why they keep progressing and they're doing well every year because they're listening to us as the anglers and the spectators, and making things adjust for the greater good of that circuit. You know, so
0: yeah, or or if my work decides to double the amount of PTO I get, then yeah. (laughs) If one of those two things happen, I'll definitely consider it. Um, we talked about that earlier. I just like I don't have a week for each event, and uh, if they're not, if they had it down to a two or three day official practice and a you know uh, off limits of you know a week out on info sharing, I definitely would be a lot more likely to put in my grand. But that's just my perspective, and I don't don't uh, don't have any evil against Classics tour or the people that fish it, but I just it's not what I want to do with my money at the current setup. So, um, <laughs> Paul Ron is a lazy man. I'm a flat out bum. Yeah, I use the polymer a lot, but I use it mostly for my reaction baits. I use it for my braid, um, for my flipping stuff. I really like doubles, like my jigs, my flipping. I use a double San Diego jam knot. I can tie it just as fast, and I feel like just a little stronger knot. So
1: that's funny you said that because Eric loves the San Diego jam knot as well.
0: So. I mainly use it for floral on my kind of whatever I would, my hard impact hook sets on floral because uh, I just every once in a while you can tie an imperfect polymer knot um, and it can cost you. So yeah, they definitely it definitely is the classic bass is doing a lot of things right. They do listen to their anglers. They are making changes from year to year. Um, so I, I do give them a lot of credit for that.
1: No, the board isn't made of any participants all the guys that are like directors and everything they none of them fish like Scott Bonema, the owner and and the operator the main guy of the the event he would die to fish it but he doesn't he wants to see this succeed and grow and since it's still so fresh you know he's not gonna he's gonna make sure that it, it goes off perfectly and the other there's Providence marketing that helped work with them that's the Jack Gavin that's um Glenn Walker, um, a couple other guys, all those guys are, are good good sticks too. And uh, they all work the events and, and make it work for us. So, you know, I've got to applaud those guys because they, they make it happen for us and they want to fish just as bad. So um,
0: yeah.
1: I think it would be a conflict of interest if there was board members that were participants. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that, honestly. Even Paul Newman, the tournament director, an amazing, amazing angler as well in our state, um, he doesn't fish it, you know, since he's uh, directing and it's gotta be on the phone to listen to all of us complain and whine and, and bitch all the
0: time, so. Yeah. So Shadow says, what about the improved clinch knot? The only time I really use that is for topwaters because uh, I often tie a short mono or floral leader to my braid that's only like 12 inches long. So I'll tie the clinch knot on a popper or a, a walking bait because it doesn't use up as much of my leader and I, I don't have to make that big loop to go on a walking bait. So preserve my uh, leader, and on a popper, that straight like clinch knot sometimes give you a little truer action on your popper. Um, so uh, you messed up and broke off. Is it the single or the double? Because I have a double San Diego jam knot, so that might be something you gotta look into, Eric. Uh, cool. Well, I don't know. I guess we. Is there anything? You want a cover band that was on your list.
1: Oh, I had a couple things, but I just—I literally just blanked out on them.
0: Did you want me to? We could, we could make custom Arsenal visors on the stream.
1: Well, I told you I wanted to make you a visor, but you just want to make your own. You—you you want to just cut them all off yourself? I feel like the one you're wearing
0: now would make a sweet visor. I could. Wait, all those lays on that one—that would look really nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would work good, dude. (laughs) Uh, I think I got got one of these left, so I'll have to save it for you.
0: Nice. Yeah, don't sweat the three tag ends. It works. Trust me. Your boy knows, Eric. Try the double, not the single. Hmm. Hmm. Don't be weirded out by three tag ends.
1: Oh, so if you guys don't know, I put on an event every year called the Arsenal Fall Brawl. It's our fifth annual fall brawl, and uh, the last two years, we've had about 35 guys. Last year was 35 guys. The year before was 34. Someone just didn't show up. But, yeah, we've had, like, a full field the last two years on East and West Rush Lake. It's October 10th. I'm putting out registration in a few days. I'm just kind of finalizing some stuff and getting the permit all going. But come on out. I mean, the – First Come First Serve we'll have 40 boats this year. I'm going to I'm going to up it five by five participants this year. Last year we filled out within like 3 or 4 days. So again, first come first serve, it's $200 entry, $20 big bass. Um, and that's always on rush. It's always on rush each year. Um I think uh, last year top person got paid out like $2700. Big bass was like 6 or 700 bucks. So it's a good payout. A lot of guys use this event as the last derby of the season before they put their boats away. Um, The first two years, it was really good, like beautiful fall weather. You know, I came in second. Both those first years with 19 pounds. And then the last two years, it's uh, been rough as shit. Like two years ago, we had like sleet rain coming in from the side, super cold weather. I think we had 35 guys show up. And only eight got guy, 12 guys showed up to weigh in. There's guys literally getting off the lake at 12 or one o'clock. I'd never seen it before. Um,
0: it's a so team it, tournament, right?
1: What is it? It's a, it's a team tournament. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we only had eight, eight guys have a limit that two years ago. It was so hard. I think 12 and a half pounds, one for four fish. It's like the lake flipped, the thermocline flipped, uh, literally the night before. Everyone was having incredible practices. We thought we were going to have like a derby of a lifetime and it just was like gone. And then last year was similar, except we had like a blizzard that day. Everyone showed up in the blizzard, braved it out, 25 mile an hour winds. Everyone had like one to two inches of snow on their boat. Uh, but we had more of a limit. We had 15 guys show up to weigh uh, 15 guys with a limit last year. And then we had two 17 pound bags and a couple of big five pounders come around the scale. So it was a little bit better fishing even in the a terrible condition so it's just cool now to know that no matter how bad the conditions are these minnesota boys still show up and and gaunt it out you know for some cash and for some uh some cool trophies i make some really cool trophies that people actually want to put on their mantle and stuff so come on out guys it's last derby of the year some good money i pay down if we get 40 guys which i think i will top 10 will uh get something i think i think pay, pay scale is top six and then bottom four up yeah
0: they do keep it on my radar yeah i might be pre practice and pickwick but we'll see oh yeah
1: when is that in november
0: november but there'll be like a cutoff three to four weeks ahead of time so um any tips for fishing smallies or square bells lake michigan i don't think you need to hit the bottom with a crankbait on lake michigan i know they don't unlike saint Clair and things like that um uh, Can't say they've been out on Great Lakes, but to me, big bone-colored topwaters, keep them moving. That'd be my tips. Like, fish them fast.
1: Yeah, I don't have any tips for Lake Michigan. I'm I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, nice.
1: Yeah, other than that, I mean, I don't know. Oh, hey, let me check real quick for a discount code for everybody.
0: Here we go. Sean's been waiting till the bitter end for this. He's a big discount code guy. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's what I've got. For me, I'm going to fish a TBF team tournament on Taka this weekend. Ooh. I've been there in, like, five-plus years, but know, I'm going to go out Saturday and snoop around a little bit, and then we'll see what happens during the derby. I'm not afraid. I feel like I'm fishing well right now. I've got a little swagger in my step, so I, I just I'm not even worried about practicing.
1: <laughs> cool. Well, dude, if you got dude, actually that's last year, my three best events. I just walked in. I did a second place on knife with zero practices, walked in and dropped 17 on the scale. Um two club derbies, no, no practice. And then Eric and I almost took second at the greenland classic last year with no practice but i had two dead fish that costed me like six spots
0: yeah come on eric you're supposed you're in the back of the boat we are supposed to peek in the live well what are you doing no what
1: happened is we don't know who but one of our foots touched the live well button on the front of the boat and turned off the wells for probably like a half an hour and killed two of our fish and one
0: was the biggest fish too. Eric, you're supposed to be watching that stuff. Yeah. I know, Eric. Come on, we Get have on Snapchat Gaff and watch the live wells for God's
1: sake. Thank you. That kid's always on Snapchat. Way too much. Come on. Way too much.
0: Way too much. I guess I'm just gonna make
1: a, uh, a new one for you guys.
0: Nice. Um, and then other than that, like in two weeks, I got the TBF semis on Leach. Uh, in late September, and then uh, I'm probably going to sneak in a couple fall tournaments around here if I can when I'm not going down to Pickwick for pre-practice. Yeah, Sean, you wouldn't be pissed about the fishing in Minnesota. promise you that. I, I mean, you've got brutal winters in Chicago, but not very good fishing. So if you're going to have brutal winters, you might go might as well go somewhere that has good fishing in the summer. Yeah, the people that's their fault are the people that say it's not my fault. Just saying. If you're getting defensive, it probably was your fault. Yeah. And you should have been catching them faster. So you were culling more, and then you would have saw that those fish were not getting water. So (laughs) it's not like you look at it, it's your fault.
1: (laughs) So, yeah what i'll do tonight for you anyone that's on tonight actually listening rich pod 20 20 off everything in the store i think it just excludes anything that's already on sale so i mean if i know some guys are talking about the tool and to buying a knockoff tool come on use the dang code go buy the tool right now it's it's twenty dollars Helps out a local business and it's a non corrosion tool. It doesn't have a spring that's going to break or fall out. It's got a little suspension system, rubber grips. It's worth the money, guys. You can find that all day for five, six, eight bucks online just as a single tool. But
0: yeah, dude, help Plus the tool comes with the bands you need. It's a kit, like you cool. get the whole thing. So. It's, it says the tool's out of stock, but you said it should like tomorrow. It will be in stock. I yeah. can
1: probably make it stock any moment now, since you just reminded me. Thank you.
0: We make things happen on Hellabass Live.
1: It's hella cool.
0: But I would say, while you're, if you're not gonna get the tool, I would definitely check out a couple tactical minnows for your chatterbaits and swim jigs and give them a whirl. Yeah. And okay.
1: we didn't yeah. talk about it, but yeah. the assault bug that we make is a really good trailer too like we it's got the high thin ribs at the top and then the thicker ribs at the bottom so what that you can cut it off right at the thick ribs i don't know if i have any rep right with me right in here oh i, I do Nope, i don't those are some tank tubes that nobody has Ooh, been sold out for like two years uh, you no, know, you can cut off the body on the assault bug and you kind of use it as like a chunk trailer or on a smaller hook jig. It works perfectly. And the plastic. Yeah, exactly. You can cut it off right at that middle section where the ribs are and, um, use it on smaller jigs or smaller football jigs and the tentacles and the crossed flap very well and swim very well. I sometimes use this on the back of a chatterbait too. Um, if I'm not doing the tactical minnow, I'm using a soap bug on the back and that thing swims really nice too. It's, it's a little bit heavier and you get a little bit different resistance with a slower a slower resistance on the swim because it flaps
0: a little bit differently than the obviously the
1: the easier shimmer tail. But
0: yeah, and I think like uh some of your stuff, like the Arsenal minnow and the, the, the pliers and stuff are on tackle warehouse too. So I'm sure yep guys shop there, and if you want to add something to your cart, you can check out. Dan has a few of his items at uh, Tackle Warehouse as well.
1: Yeah, we got the way bags at Tackle Warehouse. We got the tools and the tubes. Um, tactical minnows and assault bugs are on Tackle Warehouse as well, and we just got all of our tungsten on Tackle Warehouse. So, pretty much they're starting to bring in most of the catalog. We're working on an updated champion finesse football jig at the tungsten football jig. We've had it for the last four years. I'm sold out of it right now. We're working on new packaging and we're working to discontinue about three colors and bring in about six new colors with that. That's going to be, I should have all that stuff in about a month or two. Well,
0: while you wait, you can describe yourself in Bass Tech tungsten football jigs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look at this guy. And then when he sold out of his tungsten Ned heads, Come back over to Arsenal Fishing because we'll have to well. uh, <laughs> So those are new. I mean, he's got them, but we're going to have them soon here too.
0: Um, so is there anything unique about the bladed jig you guys have? Sean wants to know.
1: Uh, so the rumble jig that we have is – the thing is, with all bladed jigs, you have to be really careful because of the copyright infringements and the trademark infringements on all the Z Man chatterbait stuff, because they're their copyright or their or excuse me, their patents on that jig is having the line tie right or the blade is connected right at the uh, the hoop of the head. of the whereas yes, there you go, bingo. Everyone else needs to swivel in between those two pieces. And so with the swivel in between the two pieces, it makes most of other bladed jigs kind of rock to the side or they don't track as, as perfect like this. They'll kind of track to the side or, fo- or scatter to the side like a scatter wrap kind of does. Our rumble jig does, does the same thing. So what we find unique with our rumble jig is you want to fish it very slow. That's why we make it also in a 3-4-ounce size because if you're going to fish one of a deeper, heavier one, you want to just barely tick the bottom and let that kind of just slow crank off the bottom or right, right above the bottom of the water column. Um, but yeah, there's nothing hard, hard, really big, unique. We actually have the head of it's more of a swim bait head. So it comes through cover a little bit differently. And um, the hook is a mustad hook. It's a very sharp hook. But the only thing I, I recommend if you do pick up the rumble jig is fish it slow. And you're gonna get the best. You're gonna get the best action out of that jig when you fish it slow, and you're gonna get your biggest bites because of that. I've had guys down in Texas say that they swear by it because they slow roll three, four ounce and they've caught ten pounders doing it. So, again, to uh, each its own. You you catch you catch a good fish, you're you're always gonna buy that jig for the rest of your
0: life, you know. So, so will the will the the tank tubes ever be in stock again?
1: We're remaking them with a new uh, supplier right now. And uh, basically, in the beginning, everyone didn't like them. Oh, Bass Tech. A little plug right there, guys. I don't think I've heard of I need a Bass Utopia hoodie since now I'm a content creator and partner for them. So, yeah, Tank Tubes. When we made them, I made an oversized tube thinking, you know, you're going to stuff football jigs up there or the, those big Goldie rattle uh, tube heads. But when we got the first two batches, the inner diameter was way too big. So a lot of normal tube jigs were just falling out of it. And people could only kind of really Texas rig these or if they threw a football jig in it. So it didn't like really apply to a lot of people or people thought they were a waste. But... Then I started just selling a crazy amount of them through Capra's and I was also selling a ton of them off the website to specific anglers and they were buying 10, 20 packs at a time. And I realized people were doing that because they started throwing football jig heads in the, the damn thing. And it was just a different huge thick profile tube that came over rocky cover really well and didn't get hung up a lot. And so they Sold out really quick, so I'm working on getting them back, guys. This was green pumpkin we some old craws, too. We had only like four or five colors, there's two or three colors that really outshined others. But hopefully, with this new vendor down, we have a vendor in the United States that's going to be making our jigs and our soft plastics now. So, hopefully, with that happening. We'll be able to fine-tune colors and mold sizes and make everything perfect without having to run overseas and waste money on quality control managers and stuff like that. So 2021 looking up both with Arsenal Customs, Arsenal Fishing. good projections for the year. Just a lot of revamping. We're, we're, we're getting a lot of stuff. We're, we're, we're focusing on only our high, high, high margin uh, items right now and our high volume items removing a lot of removing a lot of stuff from the catalog that's just kind of been sitting there um bringing in some more apparel items cuz the apparel sells really well with the company and headwear sells really well with the company and uh yeah bringing in some just different jigs tungsten jigs um adding different sizes to our our weight selection different styles of drop shot weights we're coming out with too so doing whatever we can to give the people what they want at the moment and just going to keep rolling with the punches right now
0: nice yeah so i think we're, we're a touch over two hours in so okay. we can get going <laughs> last, <laughs> last call for questions for dan or i uh we'll, we'll kind of wrap some loose ends up here um i'll definitely in the description have links to arsenal and dan's social and and all that kind of stuff so if you guys didn't catch any of that but if, if you google it and you know how to use the google machine you should be able to find everything but i'll make sure there's links down in the description uh and uh as always, you know, like I'm still putting out my videos, so I'm you know, I've been pretty consistent about getting like almost two videos out a week lately, uh, plus the stream, so plenty of content for you guys to dig into. So if you guys are new here and you're not a, a ride or die already, please uh hit that subscribe button. Would love to. We've uh had some good growth lately and it's been uh my, my tournaments have been good, the videos have been good, the channel's been going. Uh And uh, you know, I'll put a link to Dan's and Arsenal. He's got some high quality content, but there's only about eight of them out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem. You you can binge watch it one
0: night and be done, and then uh, so. uh, Next
1: uh, year, everyone, I'm sorry. I know I I had big, big dreams and big plans this year, but just with COVID happening, it took. I normally, I normally work all winter and all spring, and then june july august september october all fishing and then this year it's like work's completely overlapped all the the tournament season for me too so there's just been no practice time this year there's just been no fun fishing there's no going out there fishing for the camera kind of fun stuff so it's just practice for a tournament go to the tournament fish come home work 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 work, and do it all over again but i i would rather do that than anything else in this world i'm doing exactly what i want to do and what i love to do and I'm going to keep doing it for everyone else, too, and build them oh.
0: products and try so to get content. Gav <laughs> says he'll run the camera if we can get out in the boat.
1: Question. Where are Dan and Helvest going to make a collaboration fishing bit? When? I don't know. Soon, I hope. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Hopefully this fall, fall. I have a lot more time in the fall, so if you can brave out the cold, Rich, I'm down.
0: I'm, I'm always game. And then Eric said he'll, he'll run so we can actually have some, like, sweet footage. We can go GoPros, and then we can have a free running camera well eric are you really gonna do that or are you gonna fish the whole
1: time <laughs>
0: <laughs> can we just put like a gopro on his head and then yeah you
1: could, could do that too but no he's got to pick up the big camera and run the drone a little bit he's gotta he's gotta be a big boy
0: <laughs> nice um what is bass utopia was that just yeah so jason homer started bass utopia several years back he kind of got it up and running built a pretty good social following had some good like blog and video content and he got busy with his his main job that probably was the 99 of his income uh and now omnia has kind of picked up that in conjunction so that's kind of the social side of omnia's vast utopia right now
1: how i saw it before i knew a lot about it was it always seemed back in, when it was running that it was like a miniature wired to fish like mm-hmm. it, it had the articles that had the videos It had guys in our local region, so yeah. When I saw it drop away,
0: a little more more fun, yeah, edgy than Wired to Fish, but yeah, not not way different. So,
1: but yeah, so it's like yeah, it's like I know Wired to Fish. I didn't even know for a while. I didn't know Wired to Fish was up in Grand
0: Rapids. Yeah, that's where Gemini. They're connected to Gemini Sports, so that's where it kind of. So who's Sycamore Outdoors? He's just a, a guy that's on uh, social and uh, he hangs out on YouTube. He's, a, he's one of my ride or dies. Uh, we hang out. He comes to the streams. He leaves comments, watches the videos. He's got a couple baits that I want.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I
1: believe he's in Indiana. Well, I'm asking because he's like, leave the camera to Eric.
0: <laughs> so
1: I didn't know if he knew Eric or something.
0: no. No. But uh, yeah, so I appreciate everybody that tuned in. We had like really good numbers tonight. We were over fifty for a while. We've had pretty much thirty almost all night live. So this should be a pretty good viewed episode. There'll be all the links will be down there. Thank you, guys. The description. Uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate it for uh, you coming on, Dan. We got to get out fishing. And, yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, maybe we can do one uh, only Arsenal. You know, I had two two episodes last year. I was supposed to have four. I just never got around to editing them. Man, it sucks. I have all I have hard drives of footage, and I just wish I had the time to
0: edit. Can I put a Can I put a bug, an Arsenal bug, on the back of a Bastet jig? Does that count?
1: <laughs> yeah, of course.
0: <laughs>
1: some some of some of the, some of the events or some of the episodes where we we struggle we, we'll we'll mix and match a little bit but i try to keep most all arsenal stuff but uh yeah we can we've got to figure out a day here in october or maybe at the end of september yeah end of september like things open up before yeah let's do I, that i
0: might be able to take a day off like i think i might have a couple extra pto days so maybe i can just take a midday week off um uh, because i think my weekends are pretty jammed with tournaments but uh, okay yeah lid nation shadow i know you're obsessed if you want to send me a hat, I'll, I'll, I'll customize it for you and send it back to you. <laughs> or an Arsenal hat, leave a custom note in for Dan, and then he'll send it to me, and then I'll send it to you after I customize it. Bingo. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, as always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. Peace.